and welcome back to another episode of the Discussion Fades, a board gaming podcast where we take a break from playing the games we love to talk about the games we love. As always, I'm your host, Matthew. I'm David. And on this week's episode, we're going by land, by air, and by sea, and reviewing some board games that are all about transportation. We'll also be looking ahead at PAX Unplugged 2023, seeing about some of our most anticipated games. So as always, stay tuned. And buckle up. Uh, David, is so glad to have you back on the podcast. I can't remember when it's when it was last uh, when you were last on with us, but it's been been a little while. Yeah, I, I think the last one is um, we did our little Kinesia episode. Yeah, that's right, that's right. And I know we've all been working on our top 100 games for the end of the year. That's kind of what we always do at the end of the year. All everyone does. Um, but I've been working on those. I don't know have you. I don't know if you've completed yours. I'm probably about 75 percent of the way through with mine. I did mm-hmm. it once, but then I didn't save it. And so it had gotten completely deleted. Because <laughs> I think I have like 260, close to 300 games on my list that are like at least a seven or higher. And so oh, that was okay. kind of well, my... I was just going to ask. So you're only doing your games that are ranked seven or higher? Well, yeah, because there, there is a good number of those. And, yeah, yeah, and yeah. the thing is, I didn't, go, I didn't take the time to go back through my Board Game Geek and re-rank the games. So I was just kind of letting the... the kind of the algorithm do that on the, um, what's the website that we use? Um, Pub Meeple. Pub Meeple, yeah. Because uh, there's definitely some games that are rated seven, but I haven't updated them in a while that now they're kind of moving up higher on my list. Um, yeah. And so I'm excited to see what what's going to be our new number one this year. I don't know. is Last year was Brass um, pretty unanimously. I think it was in everyone's top five close to it. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. So you curious. don't think it would be again this year? I'm curious. I mean, we haven't played it as much. This past year, I know we all always have a recency bias. Uh, we were talking a little bit about games that were kind of surprises to the list. Uh, Imperium the Contention, uh, I think, made it into Jacob's top fifteen. Ooh, and we were, I love so there's to some, hear some, that. Yeah, so there's some. I don't, I can't, don't remember the exact placement. Um, and of course, once we finish the list, we can go through and adjust it. But, uh, but we don't want to spoil anything. No, we don't want to spoil anything. No. But there's certain games uh, like that that more recently we played, like Hegemony. It's definitely, I think mm-hmm. it's going to be a top one. You haven't played that yet, have you? No, I have not, but yeah, so I've seen a few copies. Uh, there's a virtual flea market for PAX Unplugged, and uh, I'm surprised. I don't. Do you know about this list, the virtual flea market? I don't look into it as much. I know you're you're all excited about the trade game whenever we go to PAX. I have not well, I mean, looked it's into not really, it as much. I mean, you can trade, but like I'm getting bargains, brother. I'm getting straight up <laughs> deals. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. I mean, it's it's great. Um, but yeah, so there's been a couple. There's actually been a few copies of Hegemony on the virtual flea market. Like somebody was selling their Kickstarter copy with like the everything. Do they have the metal like coins? Bucks, and I was like, hmm, maybe. Well, that's a, that maybe is a, that's up. a fantastic deal. Um, yeah, but there's certain games like that because like one for Imperium the Contention, which I, I I think I told you I bought, I found a copy. I literally found one copy. Like it was the only one I could find anywhere of, of yeah. eBay, online retailers, uh, and then Board Game Geek. There was yeah. one guy selling the copy uh, on Board Game Geek. And I mentioned, please, this is still in stock <laughs> or do you still have it? And uh, he did. And so I got it because I wanted to go through and, and sleeve some of the cards because unfortunately right. they get some wear and tear on them. Um, but I think the reason why a game like that jumps up so high is that it fills a, a niche in our board game collection that we just don't really have anything else. Cause there's, there's no other game that really fits that four X 
ish style game where you have a little bit of engine building, um, some combat area control with the space theme that plays in a tight 60 minutes consistently. Yeah. And there's nothing else that really fits it. And so, you know, I think it's game's great, but that's where a game where it doesn't actually have to be a 10 out of 10, but can jump way up on our list. Mm-hmm. Um, just cause it does something that nothing else does. Cause we always compare, you know, what is this, the, the, the killer of for the next game. But mm-hmm. so that's one game mm-hmm. I think is definitely gonna, gonna jump up a little bit higher this year. Well, um, games don't exist in a vacuum, right? So anytime you play a game, it's, you're always comparing it to something else that you've played. And then you have to ask yourself, like, why would I play this over that? And time yeah. is precious. And, you know, uh, our, our our game time is precious. We don't get to have as many opportunities as, as we used to. And and so we got to make the most and we don't want to we don't want to spend it playing mid games. Exactly. Which is kind of crazy because, I mean, there's so many games out there and on the outside looking in, you may see like, why are you always looking for what game is replacing the next game? But I think part of how what we enjoy, I think for the most of us that uh, in our gaming sphere, that we enjoy kind of the pursuit of what's the mm-hmm. next innovation, right? Because uh, we want to find great games because, you know, exactly. We don't, honestly, we don't even have time for just average games. We don't have time for good games, really. Yeah. We have time for excellent. For- Great games. Yeah, we want games that when you play on, they're they're memorable. I think they they're they're good, but they're also memorable. Because there's games yeah. where you can like, okay, those are solid mechanics, but I'm not. This isn't leaving me with anything yeah. memorable. Uh, like an example is um, on your recommendation, we picked up. I picked up Splendor Duel. No, don't say it, Matthew. Don't say. I think it. it's this a good game. Nonsense. It's a good. It's. I think it's better than Splendor. I really. I enjoy the new mechanics, but it didn't. I would play it happily. I think it's it's good for two, but it didn't leave me. Um, with a memorable experience where we're going to talk about um, some games coming up like a sky team, which we'll t- I'll talk about a little bit later, a new two player game that had a memorable impact on me or even something like Japor, or I've been talking about that and patchwork. Those are games that like when you play them, like you get excited about the next play of it, but of course to each their own. Um, but I'm always curious, David, you're always on the pursuit of what's new. You always say you have your pulse on the vein of the zeitgeist of the board gaming community. And so I want to hear what are some new games that you've acquired or should I say traded for, or what are you looking at on the horizon? Because I always look to you to find these niche little games that no one's heard about and they're just ready to change our lives. Hey, listen, they, they're not all they're not all winners, but like what I'm looking for is something unique, something different. And uh, and sometimes you find something that's a little obscure and you're like, oh, this this hits this is hitting on a nerve that I didn't know existed and uh, scratching an itch uh, back there. You know what I mean? Uh, so. Uh, I think one recently. Now, this isn't like this isn't a little niche game, but like Beast. Oh my gosh! So, so we'll just go over some recent plays. Yeah, I, and I want to hear. Uh, I want to hear about Beast. If you don't mind talking a little bit about it, because I'm very interested in in Beast. Um, uh, I I I know the game found just recently closed for it, but you can still do late late pledging for it. But they have like the new expansion, and there's like yeah. a crazy four hundred dollar pledge. It just seems obscene for what the game is, I guess, but I want to hear your thoughts compared to some other games that we played. I know some big ones that are in our list, like a mind management or a specter ops, uh, or even a game like cryptid, right? You're trying to figure out and deduce yeah. locations. So I want to kind of your thoughts on what makes this different or better than some of these other ones. We've yeah. So I have a friend of mine here. His name's Jonathan who really loves hidden movement games. And so we've played mind management a few times. Uh, he's played sniper elite with me, which I think is really good. And then the other day we played Beast. And I think what makes Beast in particular like a really good game is that it is uh it it feels like a hunting game. It feels like very thematic. Two, 
Yeah, it's very thematic. And so the idea behind it is that uh, players, some players play the hunters and then somebody else plays the beast. And the beast is hidden some of the times, but whenever the beast um, attacks and in order to win, the beast typically has to attack you know, uh, something or like attack several like human uh, players or uh, NPCs that are in the game. And every time the beast attacks, the beast reveals itself, its position on the board. And throughout the throughout the whole like, game, you're tracking the beast and you're tracking its trail. And you like it's very thematic. Does, like you would like, you the know, pick up the scent and does the beast attack the other players? Because that sounds a little bit like yeah, a Fury of yeah, Dracula. The beast, the beast can the beast can attack the other are you, players. Are you familiar with Fury of Dracula? I am. Yeah, but the problem with Fury of Dracula I hear is that it takes like three hours. Oh. Um, and it's very lopsided. I've heard that it's just very, very difficult for the hunters. Yeah, in that and, well, game. and that's the thing. It's like a lot of these hidden movement games. Um, like I played Narcos. Um, <laughs> the the Simon came out with like a, a Narcos board game, and uh, and that was it was it was fun. It was it was fine. But a lot of the times, like these these hidden movement games are more fun for the hidden player than they are the yes. non-hidden player yeah. which is why so, like a uh, specter ops i think it, that's one of those games where it's always much more fun to be the one hiding which opposite for like a mind management i never want to be the person hiding because mm-hmm. i get such a thrill on the deduction side of my yeah. management yeah and so that's my like my biggest thumbs up for both beast and sniper elite is that it's just as fun being the hidden player as it is being like the hunting, the, the hunter player, like the pursuing player. So I think like that's the biggest thing with Beast, though, in particular, what's a lot of fun. We played three players um, is it's it's drafting and you can on, like you can't just on your turn take X action. Yeah, because it's in a card action. System, the action, right? you have to have the card to do it. So if you want to move, you have to have a card that lets you move. If you now, want to attack, you have to have a card that lets you attack. And so as you're drafting, you have these tough decisions where every single card has a top action and a bottom action. The top action is the action the hunters can take. The bottom action is the is the action that the beast can take. So, so when, all cards when, are are dual use. So when you play the card, do both sides do the actions, or is it just depends on who owns the card? Yeah, it just depends on who owns okay. the card. And is it a and deck so, builder? Like the, you draft these cards and then you're going to be cycling in them, or how does that work? Do you what? Is it a deck builder? So you're drafting the cards? Oh no 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 deck building. So it's okay. the same same set of cards. Um, throughout the game, there's a few items that you can pick up that you can add to your hand and such. Um, but it's it's just nice because as like the hunters, we were looking at cars and we're like, I want this card, but I cannot. We cannot let the beast have this card uh, this that's, round. Like, that's we a good, just cannot good idea. do it. And so, but it's but it's like, oh, but I'm really giving up this juicy card. And it's like you're hedging your bets based on where you think the beast might be. It's like it's just great. So, it, it's so so good. Just, just um, to help me I, understand, we had a great time. And there's at one point where we had like a big stand up high five moment where we're like, all right, <laughs> he's either here or he's right there. And we're like, okay, I think ninety percent chance he's over in that spot. And so like my friend Berkeley, he plays the card, and sure enough, he like reveals himself, and we both stand, oh, and um, and it's just like, and there was a, and and the goal isn't just to find it; you have to find the the beast and then kill the beast. So. Um, it was yeah, yeah. It, it's a great game highly recommend the only knock I think I've heard against it is that it doesn't scale very well um, I've heard that the two-player game is kind of eh, and then the four-player game you use a larger map but the map is so big that the game just like feels kind of loose and like just makes things really hard to do so it's not as fun so three so I hear three is like the sweet spot which I think the expansions 
do tackle because they have like some different maps and some different setups. So I think they've, you know, heard the feedback on that and they're going to look to try to scale things a little bit better. Which I have found in, in a lot of these hidden movement slash deduction games where three is a sweet spot, especially for mind management, because one side, everyone is playing cooperative game. And so the more mm -hmm. people on that side, the less agency or things that you get to do. And just help me understand the card system a little bit better. Cause I've seen some games that do it to where your available actions are the forward cards that are out there and you'll pick one of them. And that's your action. And then that card's gone. Or are you drafting this card into your hand? You use it then, or do you use it later? And so, no, so yeah, it, it basically goes at the start of the round, you draft cards kind of like you would in blood rage. Okay. Okay. And then once you've that drafted kind of, them, gotcha. then you, on your turn, you play a card. So you will have an idea of what your, the beast player could potentially have. Yes. Yes. Okay. And what's cool is each hunter. So you have your own. Every player has their own special cards that, like, they will always have in their hand. And then to fill out the rest of their hand, they're adding the cards that they've drafted. So there's like a general pool of cards that are drafted, and then like the player specific. Uh, so think of like if your faction had its own three special cards that like only you will ever have. Yeah. And then the rest of your hand, like if you have those are three cards and then you have a hand of like say six, you add three more that are drafted from a general pool. And what's cool is like over the course of the game, you know which are like the player specific cards. So it's never like a complete wondering of like, oh, what what do they have left in their hands? You will eventually like, okay, they have they haven't played, you know, this card yet or they haven't done that. And I will say there's one more thing that's really cool about the card system. Some cards are red some cards are blue. Uh, and what the game says is on your turn, you can play up to two cards, but they cannot be the same color. So you cannot play two blue cards. You cannot play two red cards. You can play a blue and a red. And so sometime, but the thing is the round will end, or sorry, you will have to pass once you cannot play any more actions. So there's this tension of like, okay, I want to be able to take more actions, like do more in one turn. But if I do that every single time, then I'm going to like have to pass early on. And now the other player, like say like the beast now has like free roam with like all uh -huh. the open information. And so sometimes it's like, does the beast player have that same? Yeah. Yeah. The beast decision? player has also the same thing. And so it's like, do I take, do I just play one card, maybe holding back a little bit, kind of like in blood rage when you yeah. like, you know, you have rage left and you like everybody else passes and now you can start doing stuff. That's a really, um, really cool kind of tension in, in yeah. the game. That's not just uh, can I find you? Can I not? But how can I position myself? To kind of get advantage. That's interesting. How, as far as what, is there a lot of complexity of like jumping into it? Cause I know each beast has a different, unique kind of thematic cryptid esque ability. Do all the hunters have special powers as well or? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Some of the hunters like have their own special abilities and like from their cards and also special abilities that they will be able to unlock on their own player board. Um, so that's really cool. 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 Well, I definitely, you own a copy, correct? I do own a copy. Yeah. So yeah. I can bring that one to PAX and maybe if we, if uh, anybody wants to get a three-player yeah. game going, I'd be I would happy like, to. Yeah, I'd like to play at least once because, like I said, the have you looked into the the new expansion content at all? I have, and um, like I will probably get it because it's like it's it's more characters, it's more beasts, and like I think they make it like they they make the powers a little bit even like even more unwieldy and like more fun. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, they've got some other stuff. So I will probably, but like the. There's like a minis pack and yeah, then like an acrylic standees. Do you pack. need the minis? I don't care about the minis. Okay. I'm just probably just do the acrylic standees. So okay, that was that was the next question I was going to ask you. Do you need <laughs> do you need the miniatures in it? Nah, I don't think you. I don't think I think the like everyone's talks about like how beautiful the acrylic standees are, and so like the artwork is want, nice. Like unless they were going to sun drop the miniatures, which they're not, um, then I would do that. But otherwise, like the acrylic standees are are really nice. So 
Yeah, that is uh, but yeah, that's beast. I I highly highly recommend. Now I'm going to go from a high recommendation. I'm going to swing that over to now a very low recommendation and a big disappointment. And that is now. Well, let me back. Let me uh, backtrack here. Matthew, do you like witches? Do you no, like Halloween? No, not do that's like, not my that's not my vibe. That's not your vibe, man. No, I'm, I, all, I'm super into spooky month, man. I love it. And uh, I was I like a good scary movie, but I don't uh, I don't do any witch rega- regalia or anything. Oh, okay. You don't want to be part of a coven? No, no, that's not up my alley. <laughs> well, now is you talking about Septima? Yeah, I am talking okay, about Septima. Okay. Oh my god. Now this man, game had a lot of hype. Be? This this was big on the hype train. Um this is what Mind Clash is that yeah, it was Mind Clash game. So like Mind Clash, everybody knows, is known for Tracarion, which is a great game. Uh, Anachrony, which lots and lots of people love. But, a lot but both of those don't. games are long and complicated. And you know what else they also made? That is a big old stinker. And we had a big <laughs> negative review. And that is Perseverance, Castaway Chronicles. Yeah. Uh, that I can't remember. In recent memory, that's probably the game that sticks out the most of a most miserable. Like, this game takes joy from us while we're playing it. And then oh, instead gosh. of giving us joy... Yeah. Um, and I saw the the new game found project for episodes three and four, and I was like, I almost want to back this for a dollar just so I can get in the comment section, like warn people, stay away, <laughs> do not buy this. This, yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, now, so, but Septima is a, is a smaller is a smaller game comparatively. It, it it is, yeah. And I think their goal was to make like a simpler a simpler game that's like you know, Mind Clash is known for making highly thematic. Euro games like that is what they are known with the kitchen sink thrown in. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's what they're that's what they're known for. I mean when you play Tricarion, you're you're a magician oh, yeah. trying to put on a show, and like it feels like it because you have to gather your materials, then you have to like prepare the people like your assistants, and then you have to like go and Train. perform the trick. Like it's all yeah. very thematic, and I and I appreciate it. Um, with Septima, it is just like. It's just a boring euro, dude. Like it is just you collect resources and spend resources, collect resources, spend resources. And like what's funny is Scythe hasn't never like been like a super hot game for me. But the more I keep playing other games like Septima and Dead Reckoning, the more I'm like, you know what? Scythe is a really good game and I should probably pick that up instead. So yeah, but yeah, Septima, um, I'm selling my copy. What's and the I think, like, main mechanic? What they set out to do was they set out to make a... Um, a thematic game that was a little bit like simpler, which like it's still a heavy game. Like there's still a lot going on. Okay. I, but I think they just they they missed it. They missed this like cohesive kind of like tension. They missed this like like there's whole mechanics that we just ignore the whole game. Like there's these witch hunters that you're supposed to that are supposed to like catch you and whatnot. And like Sam and I on a two player. Now granted, caveat, we played only a two player. Yeah, I was about to but ask. I've talked, yeah. to, I've talked to some other folks that say like at three and four players, the interaction also is basically non-existent. Um, and, and the idea is, all right, so Matthew, you and I, it is a, we simultaneously reveal what actions we're going to take. And if we match, then our suspicion goes up. And the more our suspicion goes up, the more likely that we will either be caught by a witch hunter or like witches that are went to trial will be exiled or, you know, I like to say burned at the stake. So you want to do the game says exile. So you want to do different actions? What's that? So you're saying it's advantageous to do different actions? Well, but the thing is, if you match you get a bonus action. Uh, so, but if you don't match, then you only get the main action. You don't get the bonus action. But here's the thing that like makes it, it's like, because it's a Euro game, you are always going to take the action that you know you need to take to be efficient. Whether we match or not, the bonus isn't 
that great to incentivize yeah. you to be like, well, because the bonus I know is I always just heal this turn, but if I yeah. match, I actually get this bonus. And so it does. It's just this thing where it's like it's never really like advantageous. Like it doesn't. The bonus isn't worth it enough. So it's always like the interaction is like, oh, cool, we matched. Oh, that's cool. And then you do your thing because the main fact, action the, is the so game important. Encourages that, you, yeah, yeah. The game encourages you to play simultaneously. Like when once you reveal your actions, you can take your actions simultaneously. And any any Euro game that's like, hey, you guys can take your action on the same turn, lets you know like, oh, there's really no interaction because what I do on my turn has nothing to do with you. Unless there's a turn order in which you see everyone's actions and then you resolve based on that turn order, like you. Yes, how you and that that can happen like that every now and then will come up but for the most part it's not it's yeah it, it's just it, it's not it's not really there and so like i just really was disappointed man i was just so yeah. disappointed because like the game is gorgeous it's so beautiful the theme is really nice but at the end of the day like the interaction wasn't there and it doesn't really feel all that thematic so no. i was really disappointed because your priority the priority on optimizing your the Euroness of the game kind of supersedes thematic immersion, essentially. Right, right. And so then it but that's but that's the it's like kinda like how when Rising Sun was coming out and everyone's like, oh, the negotiation in Rising Sun. Yeah. And and but but it's like, but there's not really any negotiation. And it's so, not integrated yeah. enough into what you're doing to where mm -hmm. it's a priority. You know, it's it's yeah. it's based on who's winning and who's losing, and that's who you pair up with. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, exactly. So that's uh so yeah, so some recent plays, Beast, Septima. I'm also in my uh, I'm in my Reiner area. I'm in my Reiner era, dude. One hundred percent in my Reiner era. Listen, I have been jonesing for another play of Samurai. It's a great game. And I thought it was fantastic. Um, yeah. I can't remember. We played it at a four. We played it at a four-player count, and I knew Brady had um, some frustration because, like, but by the time it get back gets back to your turn, so mm -hmm. much could happen. But to me, I was kind of living on that that thrill. Of yeah, it. Um, yeah. It's a game about tactical opportunity. It's not as like at, at four. It's hard to be. It's it's precise. hard to be as strategic. So you have to be like really tactical. I, I played it at three and had a fantastic time. Yeah, that may be a sweet spot for it. Yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. So I know John's rolling his eyes right now because I keep up bringing, uh, you know, Kinesia games. But like I, the more like here's the thing. I play Septima and I'm just like, oh, my gosh, what is this? But then I play uh, a Reiner Kinesia game and it's like a, a two minute rules explanation. And the tension is just there from the get go. So uh, yeah. and that's kind of what I'm living on. You know what I mean? And, and David, while you're on the podcast, I'm, I need to ask you, obviously, I'm going through a little bit more of a two player game phase here. Um, what is a good on top of your head? A good two player? Or does does Reiner Kinesi have any like really standout two player games only, or games designed for two player? It, oh, he's got tons. Have you played Battleline? I have not. That's what I'm asking you. Shoo! Yeah. So Sam and I recently discovered Battleline. That game came out forever ago. It's not the prettiest looking game. Oh, is this the uh, one you sent us? I think so you sent us a picture of y'all playing it's at like so a coffee good. house or something. What's that? I think you sent us a picture of this. I think y'all were playing yeah. at a coffee house, <laughs> yeah. and the artwork looked looked really old on it but i mean you can find a copy for like five bucks um okay. but i'm telling you man it is just like he just knows how to fit tension into a simple rule set and i think like that's what i really is appreciate it a, so i think battle game? line is great i think lost cities is great a lot oh, of I do people have like shot and totten i've looked at that and uh the first shot and totten one is out of print they have shot and totten two which some places i've looked it's it's out of stock um some places yeah i'll i'll uh I'll send you a list of these two guys that ranked uh, over a hundred Kinesia games and like, uh, but yeah, he's got several that are just um, that are two player 
uh, that I think a lot of people a lot of people think really are good. But like at the top of my list, the the top two of my list right now, I would say Lost Cities and Battleline. Both of those are phenomenal. And Sam is so good at that at those two games. Yeah. I just like I don't get yeah, it. Yeah, Abby really loves Lost She's Cities. So good at I actually picked up some uh, card sleeves specifically sized for Lost Cities. Because uh, oh, nice. some of the other ones are too big and stuff, and obviously those are cards you don't want to uh, to get worn out, so that you can you can tell them uh, tell yeah. them apart. Yeah, yeah, um, dude, Reiner's Reiner's the man. I'm looking I'm looking forward to Through the Desert and Cascadero, those two games that were on uh, on GameFound. I'm really looking forward to those. And um, yeah, but what are some uh, what are some games that you guys have been getting into? Well, one I I we I played the other night and I played a couple games of it. Um, and, and I was curious to see if you played. It's the new one that's come out. It's on BGA as well. It's like rock salt paper or sea salt salt and paper sea salt and paper have you checked that one out yet i have not yeah it, it, we've been playing it too i think it plays up to four or five um it's very it's very interesting and strange the first couple times you play it, it just feels very unintuitive and you feel like you're out of control a little bit um mm-hmm. how the game works is the first person in a two-player game it scales down uh, based on player count but in a two-player game first person to 40 points uh wins the game um, and how the game works is that the game does a reset once someone hits a seven point mark. So if your hands of cards or cards you played would equal to seven points, you stop and you compare each other's points, you score that, and then you kind of do a reset. And, mm-hmm. But how the game works is a combination of set collection and um, playing pairs of cards for an ability. Um, mm-hmm. And so how it works, there's a there's a face-down deck, and then there's two discard piles. The game starts with one card in each. And when you start the game, you don't start with any cards. And mm-hmm. your options is you can either draw two cards from the top of the deck, or you can draw one card from either discard pile. Uh, if you drew two cards from the deck, you pick one, and then you put the other card face up in one of the two discard piles. And the game, if your base game has about three or four different type of cards that are set collections, so like octopus or um, lobsters or penguins they're set collections and so those are in your hand um, that you that you're kind of scoring and collecting because because everything scores either hand or played and okay. so your opponents uh, don't always necessarily know what card you do or don't have as in when is the round gonna end uh, right. but the cards that you do play are cards that would be a pair um, so if you have a shark and a swimmer you can play those two after you've drawn a card and selected one. Um, to steal a card at random from your opponent, or there's right. two cards you can play that allows you to uh, draw an extra card from one of the face-up piles, or uh, an ability that lets you pick up an entire discard pile, go through it, and select a card, um, or an ability that lets you look at the top five cards of the, the draw deck um, and choose one of those. That's the special ability that it has. Um, the cool little thing about it is that you can keep playing those abilities as long yeah. as you have them. Um, and so if you stored up a bunch and then you could kind of combo some different abilities. Um, but the trick is that whenever you, whenever you hit seven points, there's kind of on your turn, you the kind of the round stops and you have a decision uh, you don't know your opponent's entire score, but you say either we're going to stop now. Cause I've hit seven points. I know my opponent doesn't have seven cause they would have stopped on their turn. Uh, we can stop now and score, or I can essentially kind of, they call it bet or wager or do a risk. And it says, I can allow my opponent to take one extra turn. And if my opponent takes the one extra turn and still doesn't have more points than I do, then mm-hmm. I score a bonus, because all the cards are colored, there's different colors. I would mm-hmm. score an additional bonus point for each card of a color group that's a larger. So let's just say I score, I have seven points from my set collection or cards I played. Um, 
and then I let my opponent take one extra turn. They still don't have seven. If I have three blues, I would score 10 points now mm-hmm. instead of the seven. But if I um, let my opponent take another turn and they end up getting more points than me, then I would only score f- those three points for the three blues I have. Mm-hmm. And so there's a cool little tension uh, like that because you may give your opponent an extra turn, but that that turn gives them lets them chain a couple different actions together. Gotcha. And do stuff like that. Um, so that's interesting. But the big the big thing to me is how, at least in a two-player game, it always almost seemed better to draw two cards from the top of the deck, choose one of those, and then discard instead of just being st- stuck with the two cards in the discard pile. Because um, it almost seemed, unless there was a card specifically adding to your set collection or, or combo, you're almost kind of always hoping to, to draw two cards from the deck pick which one was better and play it we've only played it a couple times um but it's it's different and interesting they do have a little small expansion pack which adds different set collection and combos um for it it's, it was interesting um i'm definitely want to play it a couple more times but i know it's kind of the uh, kind of a new hotness as far as a it's not, it looks it's, really cool it's not a trick taking game uh, by any yeah. means um and i don't know how chaotic uh, at a higher player count game i don't know that i'd see myself enjoying this at four players because by the time, because in a two-player game, you can kind of discard a card with the uh-huh. hopes that you can get it back. So how it could work is I could discard a card in one of the piles, but if my opponent puts their discard in a different pile, then I could select that card back on my next turn. And so you can kind of play around. Can I get my discard card back? Yeah. Or if I played an ability, I discard a card, I play ability, and then I could draw from the discard of the other pile that I put it on. You can yeah. do little things like that to kind of manipulate but in a four-player game um you know if something gets discarded by the time it gets back around to you you know it'd be hard to, i guess to kind of control what you do and don't get mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. but i'd say check yeah, it I, out it's, it's on bga definitely i'd be interested to check it out maybe play with sam or and just see what your thoughts on it um, yeah but it's a pretty yeah, cheap I'll, game I'll to definitely buy. check it out um, um i just listened to a recent podcast and somebody they were saying how much they they loved the game and i think they played it like the full four player count bgg says it's best at two uh, but I imagine it might be yeah. one of those that's, that scales uh, decently. But I mean, like the production is gorgeous. Or well, at the, least, like, the cards the artwork. Are, are really pretty. I, yeah. I, I like what they did with it. And it's uh, Bruno Cathala. So that's probably selling. I don't think it would be as popular if it didn't have his name on it. Um, probably. But it was just interesting because um, it doesn't do anything new necessarily. Um, it's their set collection or playing pairs of cards. Um, for different abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think the interest, the most interesting part is that once you hit that end of round trigger, you know, we're still playing to 40 points. So just cause you lose a round doesn't mean anything. But once you hit that, you can say, okay, we're done. We're not playing anymore. I got my seven points. We're, we're resetting, yeah. going to the next round. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or I can risk it. And I think that, that fun little tension there. And of course, you know, am I discarding something for my opponent? Don't necessarily know mm-hmm. what their hands, because there are several times you're like, how did, you know, you were, you were pulling <laughs> stuff from the deck and I never knew it. And that's kind of the the thing that was like, how much luck is dependent, I guess, because in one yeah. game, Abby, she was all the entire round, she was just pulling from the top of the deck. And I just never, I knew what she discarded, but I never knew what she had in her hand right. the entire game. Um, and so it was hard for me to really know how to respond or what to discard or what not to discard because I never saw what she was picking up from a discard to give me an uh-huh. indication. She was always drawing to from the top of the deck, and then it was, then it was kind of blind what we went into next. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, but the thing is, like with those games, I mean, they're not meant to be like high strategy games, and so so, so sometimes yeah, it's like quick. 
the the strategy is pushing your luck um, and hedging your bets and hoping that you know you're you'll be successful um, with that. But yeah, sea salt and paper looks um, really really fun, um, and I should probably pick that up. Uh, yeah, I think it's like part of my little trick taking journey. Yeah, I think it's it's twelve bucks. Um, you buy it online. I think the little expansion pack, which I would advise getting, it adds a little more interesting combo- combos that you can do. I think it's an extra couple bucks. So it's a pr- yeah. for for what you get in the game. I think it, it's probably best at two, maybe three. Um, but I definitely I wouldn't recommend it for a higher player count. Um, but yeah, but getting some other plays here, and we're gonna we're gonna deep dive into heat here in a minute. Um, but a couple games I wanted to give a highlight on that really have kind of uh, taken uh, my interest by storm here. And we were talking about, you know, we're talking about transportation themed games. And so yeah. I have two here that I want to kind of go over the new hotness with Sky Team and then an oldie kind of hidden gem in Airlines Europe. Uh, now, I know you're familiar with Sky Team uh, that's just come out and it's, it's hard to find a copy. You know, you had to pre-order it and then a lot of places are sold out online. Yeah. Um, but then a, a gem from 2011 called Airlines Europe. Um, and so I want to give a highlight uh, for Airlines Europe first. Um, cause we always talk about, we love going into a game where we didn't know anything about it. We had maybe low expectations just cause from the sound of the game or a mechanic or, you know, we, we all judge the game by its cover. You know, it has yep. kind of cheesy yep. artwork that looks like it's kind of from a nineties and the artwork on Airlines Europe almost looks like those old nineties CD-ROM games that you play on your computer. And, <laughs> yeah. and I don't know if you if you pull up a picture of it while we're talking about it, but that's what it gives me a vibe. It looks like an airline simulator game from the 90s that you would play on your parents' old giant computer in the basement or something. Um, yep. So um, so Brady has, has had this game for quite a while, and he's mentioned it several times, um, but we just never got into the table, and we finally did uh, last week. Um, and so the big thing to kind of highlight this, this is from Alan Moon. Uh, the same designer as uh, Ticket, Ticket to Ride, Ride, which I've talked about, been playing a ton lately. Um, Abby and I, we we play online um, uh, together, and we probably own all the digital expansions for it. We picked up Ticket to Ride, the Wild West, or the Legacy game we're going to be playing uh, soon here. Um, and so I, that that has definitely interested me. And so what I would preface w- with Airlines Europe, this game really is... I think a, a fantastic intro to stock market games uh, with incorporating some mechanics that would be very similar from a ticket to ride. So I don't know if, if, if I'd say it's a, it's the best next step after ticket to ride, but I think if you're playing a game or you wanted to introduce someone to the concepts of stocks or yeah. quote unquote, it's hard. I would, I don't know how much you would say investing, but a ownership of an entity that you don't necessarily control uh, this game is fantastic. Um, so just kind of the premise of the game, um, obviously you're trying to score the most points and the way you do that is that you're going to have opportunities to acquire shares or with your cards in the game of different companies, uh, the airlines. There's, I think there's 10 in the game, uh, 10 mm-hmm. or 11 in the game. Uh, you're going to be playing those and those will, there'll be diff- there's four different scoring rounds in the game and then based on how many of the ownerships of those of those airlines you have with your cards, you'll score so many points. And so how the mechanics of the game works and the game board kind of looks similar to it. Imagine a ticket to ride type board where you have different cities or countries and then they have links to other countries. Um, and how the game works is that at the beginning of the game, everyone's given probably about six or seven cards. Uh, mm-hmm. And those are different colors, like a ticket to ride that represents the different companies. Um and what you essentially, the two main actions you'll do, there's some side ones, but the two main actions that you can do is you can play cards from your hand 
to essentially say, I'm playing these cards, I'm playing these two yellow cards, I'm playing a red and a blue yep. card, and now I I am have that that much of that company. Um, and whenever you do that, you get, um, we call them millions of dollars, but you get essentially two currency, $2 million from the bank per each of those right. cards you play. And the second main action that you're going to be doing is taking that money and you are going to be creating one to two connections. Um, but what's great about this game is that you don't even have to own any of the company or have any of the company cards in your hand or in play to progress that track. Now, obviously, you're oh, not going to be as incentivized, but essentially between each city, think of each city or country, that there is a there are, are lines for it and there's a cost. So it may say four, six, or eight, those essentially four, six, or eight million what we call it, uh, currency dollars. Um, and to put a, one of the little airplanes, they have these little model airplanes, um, between those two cities, you would have to pay that four, six or $8 million. Um, you can with this, whenever you do it, you have to, I believe you have to do the same company. I believe I may be wrong on that, but you can do it one or two links. So I may do a four link and then I connect to another city that's connected and it's branching network. So you just can't put it anywhere. Once they start, they have to kind of branch out from where they are, but then I can do a four and then do a six and how how the tracks or the stock market in this game is done is that what's nice about an intro to this is that the value of these companies never go down. They always go up. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so the, essentially you take the total value of money you spent on, let's say, the orange plane company. Mm-hmm. And I would move the orange plane company up eight spots on the track. That simple. And then what happens is that there are four scoring phases. Um, and he, there's a car scoring card. Uh, you take the deck of the cards and the cards are splayed out very much like a ticket to ride. You have a a, a a market of five or six cards and then you have an option you could take from the top of the deck of those cards that go to your hand. Um, but there are going to be four cards that are tiered through there and shuffled in similar to like an ethnos. And so you know kind of when the scoring round are going to be happening, but you don't know exactly. So it adds a very simple but nice tension to do I have one more round? Do I, do I need to do an action to invest or do I need to play cards to get scoring uh, ownership uh, but whenever those scoring cards happen um we look and we see where how far up the track um i think it goes all the way up to 80 or something it can go but every so many blocks you you're essentially a company enters a scoring block um mm-hmm. and that scoring block at the beginning game may give four three and then one point awarded to whoever has the first second and third most of the cards of that orange company but then as it goes up it can get all the way up to like 17 12 eight and then four for the first, second, third, and fourth place for okay. that company. And so this is a game that you don't necessarily have to own the most or have essentially the most cards in play of that company to be scoring points, which is great because you could specialize to like, you know, I'm going to have three or four companies where I'm going to try to always get first place, or I could have six or seven companies where I'm vying for third place um, mm-hmm. to score points um, because you may just play a card of the orange company but then I'm spending all of my money to try to increase the value. It's that, that kind of me- mechanic is that you are wanting to kind of jump on someone else's train to kind of further you along. Um, and it is really, really simple, straightforward, but still a lot of tension. We played it at five players, and so that's all the companies were in the game. Um, but it's similar to a ticket to ride, you can't go everywhere. You can get mm-hmm. cut off. And, so, um, and it's interesting, too, because some companies... I, I don't want to say are more valuable than others, but let's just say there's a yellow company and it has 20 cards associated to that company. Then you may have the orange or white company and there may be 10 cards or eight cards associated to it. And so each card of the orange or white company is is 
it's, I wouldn't say it's more valuable, but me owning one card or two cards of an orange or white company means I have more likely to have a higher chance of being first or second versus if I had two or three of the yellow company. Does that make sense? Yeah, that and makes sense. So like when you see an orange or a white card come out, it's like, man, I really need to try to go and, and get that from the card right. row because that means it's going to be, if I get those cards early, it's going to be easier for me to hold on to a first or second place position in the company versus if I try to go yellow later on in the game, someone could easily get a bunch of yellows and then all my hard work. Now they're scoring first place uh, victory points for it. Um, and so, and how you get cards is every time, whenever you, you uh, build uh, a network and put a train out on a, not a train, but a airplane on the board, you get to draw a card. And so you're building, you're building, uh, connections with the airlines, you get to draw those cards. And then on your turn, you could also choose to play cards. Uh, you can either, you can play as many cards of you as you want of one color, but if they're different colors, you can only play two. And I believe that's pretty close to how the rules are on it. And then whenever you play those cards, you get essentially $2 million for each card you played. And then it's a nice cycle to where this isn't a game to where, Oh, in a Euro, man, this action is really good. I'm just going to just hit this action on repeat 10 times in a row. You really right. need to be cycling through the, the the flow of the game of acquiring cards, stocks, playing them, getting a, a monetary reward, and using that reward to build tracks, which then allows me to get cards. And it's a nice cycle. There are side actions where you could just take money, right? I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not building any tracks. I'm not um, causing my tr- my company to go up. I'm not getting any cards. I just need to get money so that I can afford a a, a big action. Like um, you know, I could do two eight eight connections. And so my, my company could go up 16 bumps in one, in one go. Um, and each company, the same way as they have cards, some companies have more airplanes than others. So, so some companies just can't build as many times. And so mm-hmm. each time they build, you really want to make sure that it, it builds for maximum value. And so you just don't want to be putting on a, a three cost link and bumping it up three. You want to be putting on an eight or something. And those, those companies that have the smaller, um, quantity of cards and planes, they do have special places on the board that where if you connect, they're starting an endpoint, you get like a free bump of, let's just say like eight movement pump bumps on the track. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's great tension. It plays really smooth. It, I mean, imagine how a ticket to ride game plays and it's very snappy turns and it goes around and around. Um, but it's yeah. just kind of that next step to where you're still gaining cards, playing cards. Uh, the cards aren't dependent on your connections, which is that's the kind of the next kind of step is that you can always invest in someone else's company that you may want to get in later or anything like that. But then yeah. the cards are actually, you're kind of, you're scoring. How, how much of the scoring point, victory points am I going to get? Um, and it had the very nice tension of when the game is going to end. And even though it doesn't look at like it, when you very start, start the game that the board seems very open, but once you get later on, you could get cut off from those bonuses. Um, mm-hmm. But I was just very, very impressed uh, from a game, uh, it came out in 2011. I've never really heard much other talk about the game. Don't ever see it really on any people's top of the, you know, fill in the blank list of this type yeah. of game or that. But I was just really, really impressed uh, by the game of a simple design, um, but it had great tension. It had that great stock market feel, but it wasn't punitive. You know, that's, and that's obviously you get that in some other games we played uh, of kind of these 18xx games where you can, be invested in the company and other people dump your stocks and shares and then it just goes down down the toilet and, and right. you're losing out on stuff and you know the, but there was none of that everything was forward momentum and you could kind of um play the game of jumping on other people's hard work and you know 
and you're trying to talk to people, it's like, hey, I was talking to Jacob. Jacob, I don't know if it's going to get back to my turn, but if you invest, you know, $3 million right now into the white company, it's going to help us both out. And then when it gets back to my turn, I will do this. Like there was, I don't know that the game is meant to do that, but you can, can like, you know, hey, you need to invest in this company now because the round, the scoring in may end before it gets to me and, you know, those kind of things. Or uh, you see a card out there and it's like, man, if, if I don't really need the card now, but if they get it, they're going to be bumping up huge percentage points and how many right. major points they're going to get. Um, so I really highly recommend that. I think this could definitely be a family weight game. It, it's a little different. Obviously it's not heavy. It's pretty easy to understand, especially I would definitely play a ticket to ride with them first, but it has just a different concept of I can do things on a board, like a PAX type game that I don't control the orange company. Other P other people can manipulate it like, like a Mombasa we're investing in these different companies. Uh -huh. Um, but then I could take advantage with the stocks I own. And I thought it was just a fantastic, very clean type game, a great production. You had the little airplanes for it. Um, we did, I think it comes with paper money. Um, and so we changed <laughs> out for the, the, the brass, uh, clay, uh, yeah, the clay chips, chips yeah, yeah, yeah. and that definitely made it better. I would highly recommend something like that, but I would say, David, if you could find a copy of this, I highly recommend it. Uh, cause yeah. it's a good, it, it inter introduces, it introduces higher level concepts at an easy entry point that, that makes it a whole lot more palatable. Uh, and that it just, it just has that interesting kind of freedom to my decision space, which I, I love in yeah. a game. And, and so, um, I, it's definitely, I think, I think it, Airlines Europe is going to probably make it on my top 100 games. Um, I don't know how high up it's going to go, but I, <laughs> like I was, I was very, very, very impressed um, by the game. Didn't really have any um, critiques. I mean, there's no variable, much variable setup. You could probably draft your starting cards, the stocks, maybe something like that. And there were a couple modules put out at different Essen releases and advent calendars stuff, but really, really solid game. And so I definitely want to give Brady a shout out for, uh, having a hidden gym. I'm just kind of mad. We haven't gotten to the table sooner. Um, for it, but always, <laughs> well, Matthew, you're always trying to find, you're always trying to play some of those, you know, big boys, auxiliary action, chain your combo, you know, uh, which I love. And you know, this game doesn't have that. And I don't, this isn't a game that I'm going to want to like if when I'm with the boys and we're with the guys and where we can play those higher games, obviously those games give me more of a reward. But yeah. obviously if I have, if we're in a situation where we're playing with people, um, mixed in or spouses or family members, this, yeah. this is one of those games, like even a wingspan, maybe a wing, honestly, wingspan may be a little bit more complicated, but it's a game that you can play it simply or you can play it strategic, but the game allows for both at the same time for those, those different skill levels, um, which I think is great for it. Yeah. Is this game out of print or something? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not in current. I, I couldn't imagine this being in current print anywhere. Oh, I see. I see an article that says new version of the game coming out, but it won't be the same theme. Um, oh, really? Yeah, or something like the that. The airlines so, theme. The airlines says, theme really Someone works. said here, keep in mind the iteration went airlines, Union Pacific, then airlines Union, or, or then airlines Europe. Um, so were there a series so, of this game? Oh, yeah, I'm looking here. It says it, it re-implements airlines or airlines, yeah, Union Pacific. Which those yeah. are probably yeah airlines was a 1990 game, yeah okay. Which it, Alan a, Moon came out with it in 1990, and so Airlines Europe was just a reinnovation uh, of the game, I guess. Interesting. So someone's going to be coming out with a new <laughs> a new version of Airlines Europe, but it won't be uh, the same theme. But yeah, I'm always looking for those like 
I think the theme those works easy, great simple for it. games that like bring me just as much joy to introduce to people yes. and like to play as much as like they will enjoy on their first play and they can understand. Uh, so I like I'm always looking for which games I re- like that. I really think this game would do. Um, um, and so I would I highly recommend it. I, and like I said, I think I think once you actually outside the box art, once you actually get into the game, it, it looks it looks perfectly fine. The cards yeah. are good. The I mean, obviously we upgraded to the little the brass chips there. Uh, from brass, um, but it has little, little, small, little airplane, little uh, models and stuff that you put on the different networks and yeah. stuff. Those are great. It's very, it's visually engaging. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I don't know so, what theme they would change it to. Um, I'm sure there's a million stuff, but I think the airlines thing works great for it. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Well, why don't we move from one airline game to another? Because I think you've been playing the latest hotness with oh. Sky Team. Have you have you taken a look at the game at all or I played have. any? Oh yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. have played Sky Team. I've taken a look at. It. I just have not, I've not played it. Okay, David, I think Sky Team is absolutely fantastic. Put me on the the fanboy hype train right now, but I am absolutely loving this. So nice. again, you know, this falls into my search for two player games, um, and this is a two player cooperative game, exclusively a two player cooperative game. Um, but it, it falls in a beautiful, beautiful kind of, um, middle ground where it's not like a pandemic to where one person can just kind of, um, quarterback and tell this is what we need to do. Obviously this is the better action we can do. Uh, it's kind of, it's kind of got a little bit of that trick taking vibe in the sense that before you start the game and in between rounds, we can kind of talk about general strategies or things we want to do. But once the game actually starts, there's no communication at all. Okay. And you're trying to deduce or infer what your opponent, you, what your partner has or is wanting to do by the dice they place and vice yeah. versa. You're trying to communicate what we need to do now by where I'm placing my dice. So I'm getting ahead a little bit, but that is that is a that is kind of a cooperative feel to where even if one player is phenomenal at this game, played it a hundred times. They still can't just sit back and take control of the game and the other person. Like right. the the other player is just as valuable. So what the game Sky Team is is that you and your partner, one person is going to be a pilot, and the other person is going to be co-pilot. Um, it doesn't really. I I, I don't. I, it does matter in the sense that you have different actions, but it's just there's not one one one. Um, position is more valuable, I would say, than the other. They're just different. Uh, but one person is a pilot and the co-pilot. And what you're essentially trying to do is you're trying to guide a plane into an airport terminal and get it at the right speed and velocity and land, get your brakes out, your 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 flaps systems and your fuel systems, and essentially perfectly time the positioning of this plane as it gets to the end of the track. And mm-hmm. how we do that is with dice. And so at the beginning of each round, we each player has four dice. You have your own screen. We play it online, so obviously we don't have the screens. It just shows on our, our devices. Um, but you'll roll your four dice, and those are going to be your numbers that you have values, one through six. And the board is kind of split, and it, it, it's one cohesive board, but the pilot's actions are going to be on the left. The co-pilot's actions are going to be on the right. And uh-huh. so what actions are you going to be doing? Um, how the game works is, like just say in a standard game, there may be six rounds, and there's kind of this track that kind of slides underneath the game board mark the timing of the game and on beside it there's also a runway or a a distance track which may have six or seven spaces on it before you get to the airport 
And on some of those tracks, all on some of those spaces, they're going to be little airplane markers that you have to clear. So the first action that both parties get to do is a communication action. The pilot can only do it once, but the co-pilot mm-hmm. could do it up to two times that round with two different dice. And you place a die uh, in that slot and the die value, you count forward and let's say I played a three, I would count three spaces ahead of us distance wise and I can remove one of the planes out of the way. Because if we ever move the plane forward onto a spot that hasn't been cleared, we crash and we lose. And so right. it's a communication actions where you're trying to essentially clear the runway. Um, there are two actions that we both can do equally and have to be done with two of our dice every round. So there are two dice that always have to be allocated and that is to the um, the position, the left and right tilt of the plane and then the engine, which is the speed of the plane. So how far we're moving um, and how it works is that we, the person on the left, the pilot and the co-pilot on the right, we play place our dice at different times, but we'll both have to play it during that round. And we look at the value. If the value is the same, the, the tilt of the plane stays where it is. But let's just say the pilot puts a six and the co-pilot puts a four, well, it's going to tilt two spaces to the left um, towards the pilot side. Uh, if the plane ever tilts too far, I think it's like three or four spaces, then you you lose as well because then your plane goes into like a free fall because it's spinning out. But why you have to tilt it to the left or the right is that when you're going forward, certain uh, when you slide that kind of distance track closer to your game board, you have to tilt your plane must be tilted sometimes in certain positions to like get through because the game simulates real world airports that are uh-huh. like very difficult places to land and they kind of follow the same trajectory that a real pilot would have to go through. And so partway through the flight to get to the airport, we may have to be to the left and then we have to switch over to the right, be within one or two ticks to the right. And then we have to get it centered to land at the airport. And so that is one thing that we both must do every time is change the tilt of the plane. Uh, the second thing that we both must do is determine the speed of the, of the, the plane. Um, and we each place a dice in the engine part. The engine can go anywhere from two all the way up to 12. Um, if the numbers is low enough, we don't move at all, which sometimes you don't want to move because, uh, some games may be six or seven rounds, but you, it's a very short track. And so you don't want to move very fast. And uh-huh. so you need to play low numbers. Uh, if you play a middle range number, you only move once. And then if you combine to play a high range number, you're going to move twice, which sometimes you may need to move really fast to catch up because the end of the round into the game is happening. Um, but what determines is fast or slow depends on the brakes and the, essentially the the um, the wheels that we drop. And so I believe the co-pilot is responsible for our braking system or our wheel system. And so I have a role that essentially my own little game is that I have four different uh, levers I have to flip by placing a one, two dice and then a three, four die and then a uh, four, five and then a five or six die sequentially. And so I can't start at the very first round and play a five or a six. I have to start at a one or two and then then I could do all those other ones. I could do two of them in the same round, but they always must be done sequentially. Um, in my value, whenever I adjust the uh, wheels, I believe it is, um, the num- it, there's a little tick on the speedometer that goes up, which means the threshold to go quote unquote fast or double speed is harder. So when you start the game, you could do a double speed if our dice are eight, but the more I complete my game condition, then it's going to be nine or 10 or 11 or 12 that you would have to get to do a double speed. If that, if that makes sense. And then the same is true for the, uh, 
for like the flaps or the, the braking system that the pilot does, they don't have to do it sequentially, but they have four different flaps of four unique dice values they have to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and whenever they, they do that, the uh, it, it adjusts the the lower numbers. So it it's getting, that goes up. And so it's easier to go slower, but then the window to go only one speed is smaller and smaller. So you have so, to kind of co- coordinate that. Well, all right. So, so um, well, let me ask you this. Um, what, where does this fall for you in the realm of two player games and in the realm of cooperative games? Where does this fall for you? I think it does both fantastic. Um, because like I said, the interesting thing is the timing systems um, because like I said, you want to, sometimes you don't want to com- complete your, because the angle of the plan only changes once both people has placed their dice mm-hmm. and the engine value is only resolved and goes forward once both people have placed those dice. Those happen during the round. And so sometimes you say, hey, we need to, we need to activate our engine movement before we actually then change the, the tilt or vice versa, but you can't communicate that during the round. Um, and so those are things that when you're placing your dice, you're trying to infer or trying to, um, allude to your, your partner, what we need to do now. Um, there's an actions where you can go and you can just spin a dice to create a coffee cup, which allows you to change the value of your dice up or down by one. So if I think my partner doesn't have a good hand or good dice abilities, I could spend one of my dice for going one of my conditions now to help them make sure they get what they need. So our plane doesn't crash. And so a lot of it is managing just surviving the round so that we could then complete all of our goals later on. Um, and there's different difficulty levels and scenarios as the game goes on that adds new tracks that you can have to manage as well as special abilities. And so you get have different abilities that if you partner up and do well, you get special bonuses or special dice that mm-hmm. you get in the game. But I think it has kind of a, a great tension of <laughs> we're trying to survive, but also work together. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think it works fantastic for both cooperative and um, as a two-player game. Uh, I've, yeah. I've loved it so far. Yeah, I mean, like everything that I've heard about Sky Team has just been phenomenal. Like everybody's raving about it. Like it what a quick. clever game. What a great game. Um, you know, it just, the tension is is super high. And I think obviously like the, the only thematic thing that's kind of weird is like, why can't the pilot communicate with ground control? Like that doesn't make any sense. They um, they can, but, they just don't, they, they, they can't do it as much as the co-pilot. If, if ground control is like clearing the runway, the pilot can yeah. do that once, but the co-pilot could do it twice that round. I see. I see. So yeah, it, it is. Um, so like I, I've heard there's like some weird thematic, but like you ignore that stuff. Like that stuff doesn't matter. So I like everybody think, says like I the game think is super, ve- super It's very good, thematic because once you get into game three or four, it adds a fuel, fuel system where you now have to you have to spend a dice to manage how much fuel you're spending each round. Oh my gosh. And so there's there's a so many lose conditions. So like it, eventually if your kerosene or your fuel gets all the way down to zero before you've made it, you essentially stall out and you crash. If your plane ever goes uh too fast and you run into an uncleared space on the on the track, you you lose. Uh if the if the plane tilts too far to the left or the right, you can lose. And at the very end of the game at the end of the game to land, you actually have to do the opposite. Uh, all game long, you're trying to get higher and higher numbers to uh, go faster and move forward. But then at the very end, you have to go low to decrease mm-hmm. your speed to be less than your like your braking system. Yeah. Um, so there's so much tension that is different throughout the game. So early parts of the game, you're trying to do one thing. And then as you get to the end, you're kind of changing what your focus is on yeah. um, and trying to complete different goals. And like I said, there's there's asymmetric abilities and bonuses that reward you all for working together that are very unique, uh, different yeah. modules, different 
difficulties and they're and they're it's thematic. They like I said, the real world airports and unique like landing difficulties um, for pilots and. Yeah, it's just like what's cool is like if you th- if you really think about it, like there's a lot that can go wrong when you're flying a plane. Oh, and you feel it. It's like we. It's like what do we do? Do we do we do we move the plane forward or, or do we spend all of our good dice just to make sure we don't run out of fuel? Yeah. Um, and so you're having those dialogues like what is the decision of what do we need to do now to survive and not crash this round? But we know we have three or four rounds left, and so what can we? Essentially, it's mm-hmm. what can we not do now to still survive? Yeah, and then yeah, push yeah, yeah. that off to the end, and then hope we can manipulate the dice. Because uh, there's different bonuses you get as you go through the different. Um, essentially, the timer will give you rerolls, and so it's a token that any point during the round, a person can use, and then everyone could reroll their unused dice. And so you could do that right away or halfway through the that round. Um, but you you feel tension pretty much throughout uh, from round one. I, I and technically yes, you can lose round one. Uh, if someone goes really wonky with tilting, but there were several games we lost round two just because um, we had not, again, you can't communicate during the actual round, but mm-hmm. we weren't just, you have to kind of be feeling almost kind of like the mind, you know, mm-hmm. you can't communicate mm-hmm. with the mind, but you almost kind of have to feel what your partner is doing yeah, and, and kind of go from there. And it gives you that flexibility of, you know what, I think my partner may be in trouble. I'm going to sp- I'm just going to forego one of my dice, put it down here and bank a coffee cup, which they could use yeah. to manipulate their die. Right. Yeah. And so sometimes you can have to save your, your partner in yeah. the game. I love the theme of, the theme of is drinking great. coffee helps you make better decisions yeah, or like it helps more you stay focused. focused decisions. That's great. Um, so. But the artwork is fantastic production. I mean, obviously we haven't played a physical game, but the board is nice and recessed from looking like you slotting your, your, your dice in there. Um, and it just feels really thematic. There's great soundtrack we'll put on while we're playing it. Um, yeah. Listen to a little it's bit. It's available on Amazon, and if I order within the next eleven minutes, I'll have it by tomorrow. I say go for it. I I, I think it's it's great. I mean, a- Abby gets f- she she I think she thinks it's a good game, but she gets frustrated sometimes when we don't do as well as we could have, right? And <laughs> and because you're like, why on earth would you put that die there? Because that means we're gonna crash. With like, that's the only option I have. Well, then I should probably helped her by getting some coffee cup. Um, and then, like I said, there's special abilities that give you rewards if you synergize correctly or yeah. if you kind of do the same thing at the same times. It's, it's fantastic. There's there's a ton of content for it. Like I said, yeah. there's probably a dozen different game modes and you can kind of do it to where we're leveling up. So once we complete a scenario level, we go to yeah. the next one and it's harder and harder and harder as you go. And so you're getting better at the game the more you play it. Yeah, well... I, that's a high recommendation from Matthew for Sky Team, and honestly, everybody is saying how good of a game. And this it plays is. quick, ten minutes, probably 10, oh, 15 that, minutes. At yeah, most. that's great. Yeah, that's, um, that's and, you, you can't beat that. So that's that's a yeah, yeah, that's really good. And, it, and really I good. think the last thing I'll say it it doesn't feel like it's probably probably is the time, but whenever you fail, it ins- I feel energized to play it again to to beat it. Versus yeah. a game where I mean, if you if you lose at pandemic, I don't know how energized I am to okay, let's reset the entire game here, right? Because yeah. you always say, well, we could have yeah. done better, we could have done better. That's what I'm always thinking to myself. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, thirty bucks seems like it's a great value for all the stuff that you get. So that is a that's a really good, and like a lot of people were saying, like even the intro scenario, they're like, I'm not bored with it. Like we've played the basic yeah. scenario tons of times, we, we're still not bored. We with had it, to so. play the very intro scenario five or six times, I think, before we finally 
got a, a handle on it. But then you do a new scenario. It's like, oh, this is a new mechanic or a new track. I think yeah. there's even a, a, once you get far enough in the game, there's an intern module. And so you're having to like <laughs> thematically, you're having to keep up some while you're trying to land this plane in the Himalayas and it's snowing outside and there's frost and the, your wheels are freezing over. Then you also having to keep up with this little dweeb that's uh, distracting you too. And so yeah. it's very, I think it's very thematic enough to where it's, it, it could have been a very, very straightforward, bland, all right, where you just got to time our dice placement, but it just, it, it makes sense. Everything you're doing. Uh, Cause you really feel like you're controlling this plane and you're kind of going through the sky. Um, I can't, I can't recommend it enough. Um, yeah. Sky team. All right, well, very impressed. I'll, it should, it should be here tomorrow. So we'll, we'll hey, see. Listen, my <laughs> job is done. So I convinced you to buy it now. I'm curious to see, um, you can curious to see if, how much you like it, but I, I feel like yeah. Sam would definitely like this. Um, well, Let's let's move from one game that's jack that's jam packed full of content and is really good for the price point to another game that is also right. jam packed full of price. I want you to content. take this one, David. Do you take the lead on this one? All right. Well, let me tell you. There's two. There's two good things going on in the world right now. First, Creed is making a comeback. Oh, can you take me higher? Can you take me higher? Oh my word! Yeah. It, my Instagram is filled with like all these Creed <laughs> memes, and I'm living for it because I, I mean. I don't, I not as much, but I remember back in the day in high school, me, me and the guys and stuff you know, at church and like, we'd see each other in the hallways and we'd start like just bellowing out like these really deep Scott Stapp raspy voice of, of Creed. <laughs> and it's great. Like of all things that are going on in the world right now that are horrible and horrific, there's a little spark of joy. Yeah. So that's one good yeah, thing. Yeah. What's the second? That's, that's one thing. That's one good thing that's going on. The, world. the second good thing that's going on in the world is that Heat Pedal to the Metals now avail- readily available for anyone to purchase after so much hype for it. So uh, for anyone who's been living under a rock, Heat Pedal to the Metals, another game by Days of Wonder. Days of Wonder who has who made um, Ticket to Ride. Did they did they make airline, Airlines Europe? I'm, I'm not that's sure. If, well, Rio Grande um, at least oh, was okay. one of the publishers for Airlines Europe, if that's what you're asking. Yeah, yeah, well, but uh, I always just associate Alan Moon with um with Days of Wonder. But like Days of Wonder, typically they do like one big release a year or so, and it's like it's been a while since they've had like a really big yeah. hit. Days of Wonder well, have been around you. forever. Yeah. yeah, Heat Pedal to the Metal has taken the game world by storm, and that game by overdrive. You mean? I don't even. Is it in the top one hundred yet? I'm it not is, even sure, David. But, uh, it is fifty five right now. Like, wow. are you like, like we thought we thought Arc Nova was a little crazy, but like if it's the mold, like it is a heavyweight Euro engine builder, yeah. all this kind of stuff that just gets the heavy gamers like, oh, I feel like most of the top 50 games at least are heavy games, right? Yeah. And so this may, it's not a, it's not a light, lightweight game, but this may be one of the more lighter weight games uh, in the top 50 ish on the board game geek, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, it's it's mm-hmm. already past uh, Maracaibo, Lisboa, Zolkin. It's right on the heels of uh, Pandemic Legacy Season Two, Kanban, mm-hmm. Sleeping Gods, Agricola on Mars. Like those are the games it's coming for next, which is just wild. Yeah, it is. Uh, it it's just taking the game world by storm. And I, me, I now Matthew and I are of differing opinions here because I think for me, rightfully so. Um, but just a, for for any. The basic description of of Heat and like what I think it does so well, um, Heat is a game where you are racing a vehicle around uh, a, a track and you're trying to manage 
how hot your engine gets because of course if your engine gets too hot then you know you spin out of control and you lose control of your vehicle and then like you know you got to slow down and that sort of thing and so um for the most part a game consists of going around two laps and as you're doing that it's a hand management game really and uh, you've got the same deck of cards the whole game unless you add more stress and uh, there's a little bit of push your luck. Sometimes you really got to punch it and you really got to go for it. And uh, and Heat just like does a good job where as you're cycling through your hand, um, whenever you approach a corner, obviously you cannot hit a corner at full speed because uh, if you do, then you'll spin out of control. And so I think the player who manages their hand the best while also uh, pushing pushes their luck at the right time. Uh, is often going to be the player that wins. I think he is... Um, so that's just like a, a a basic overall. You're playing cards from your hand. Uh, the number of cards that you can play from your hand is equal to whatever gear you're in. Uh, and you can shift from first to fourth gear. At the beginning and then of each from round, there, you're managing going up and down and shifting those gears and cutting corners. Uh, so increasing speed, slowing speed around corners. And then, of course, trying to be the first uh, around those two laps, just like in any other race game. I think that's a good description of it. It, it. The advanced models, and I guess it's not base game, but it does allow you to add in unique cards to your hand, correct? And um, special car parts like unique wheels or turbo engines or... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. So like a basic shifting. game of heat, you have these things that are called basic upgrades and, and, and they're very, very basic. And I would say in a first game, I wouldn't recommend playing with them. And so then you can do the thing where you draft, which we all love, a good draft, and uh, you can draft different upgrades and the upgrades do all kinds of things. And so what I think is cool about Heat is that there's a lot of like basic mechanisms, but then the upgrade cards allow you to pull the levers on those basic mechanisms. So like slipstreaming, there are some basic up, yeah, uh, there are some advanced you go upgrades into that slipstreaming? deal with slipstreaming there are some that deal with increasing the speed limit at which you cut corners uh there's some that uh deal with drawing more cards or discarding more cards from your uh your deck uh so there's a lot of really fun um fun upgrades that you can add and that you draft from at the beginning of the game um there's also a weather module so like depending on you know the weather that's uh, 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 affecting different parts of the track you might have to do different things yeah there's all kinds of coming there and and the, the base game comes with four maps um, which is phenomenal for a base game package and a bunch of other modules. So yeah, they, they really packed it in there. So um, why don't we go over, well, why don't we do this? Let's go over what we liked, what we disliked, and maybe compare it to some other racing games. How about, how about yeah, we do with, that, Let's Matthew? start with likes. Let's start positive. All right, let's, let's start, let's start positive. I do have, so I do have Matthew, why don't you give me your positives? Juicy, juicy opinions later. Um, first one, I think the production of the game. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, from the card art, I think Vincent Detroit did the artwork for, yes. uh, for heat, which he is yeah. just, he's a winner. Um, put his name on the, on the game by its side unseen. Uh, it's fantastic. Um, for me, the biggest highlight about this game is that the two things that, that, that I think really stand out. Um, unfortunately, I think it's some of the only things that stand out, but we'll talk about that later, uh, is the gear shifting system. Which is at the beginning of each round, we all technically secretly, it's hard to do that. You just essentially have to just not look at anyone else. We all secretly adjust our gear uh, shift. You can only adjust it up to two spaces, correct? Either up or down. 
Uh Um, if you ever move it more than once, you have to take a heat card. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. You have to spend heat from the engine. And it goes anywhere from one to four. That will be, like you said, that's how many cards that we can play, um, from our hand. And the cards either include just our plain value, uh, cards. There are cards too, which I don't think you talked about. I can't remember what their card, but they're kind of like these risk type cards where you play it and then you flip cards from your deck until you hit a plain value card. I can't remember what those yeah, those are so those are the stress cards. And the stress mechanism. cards. So normally you play like if Matthew is in third gear and he plays three cards and those three cards have the value speed two, value speed two, and a value speed three, then his total speed is seven. So he's going to move seven spaces and we know he's going to move seven spaces. There are some cards that have what's called a boost symbol. And when you play the boost symbol, you now go to your deck and you start flipping cards until you get to a basic speed card. So he might have played the two, two, and the three, and then he played a card with a boost symbol, say like a stress card. He will now flip his deck, and this is where the push your luck mechanism comes in, because he can pull anything from a one to a four. And depending on what situation he's in, he's hoping for either a one through a four. Uh, like if very he's really good or very bad. to a corner and like he cannot be going over that, that much, he's hoping for the one just to be just before the corner. But maybe he's on the long stretch and now he's really hoping for a four. And you know he pulls a he pulls a one. And so the boost me- that's that's the that's the boost mechanism you're referring. to. Yep. And it had that fun kind of little bit of a push your luck because even if you're in a really bad situation, you could play just three of those. And the push your luck is that every card you flip over trying to get to a base card is discarded. So sometimes you can lose your good cards by doing the stress mm-hmm. um, for it. And then the last one is managing your heat, um, which I don't know how much this is un- unique. Maybe it's thematic, I guess, but you, I don't know how unique it is. But essentially you have these kind of dead cards, essentially dead cards in your hand that you either get for, there are some special cards that let you move like six and do some really like big fast stuff. But then you have to take two or three heat cards, which are going to be dead cards in your hand. And you only have so many of them. And if you draw all your heat cards and put them into your deck then you kind of like stall out spin out but then there are different actions you can do such as going slower so if you take your gear shift and you only move one or two if you have any if heat cards essentially these kind of dead cards in your hand you can put them back to the to their kind of stack and get them out of your hand so that you could then Mm -hmm. use them later uh to me that those kind of different interactions are what really stands out uh to me um i do think the the timing for the corners for your speed as well, I think is, is a good kind of corner mechanic. I think that does corner mechanics probably better than a lot of other racing themed games. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause a lot of other games uh, either make corners tighter. So they're hard to get through or not as people, even people can get through them at the same time. Whereas this one is really it has an impact on how fast or how slow you're going um, for it. So those are my two, two or three biggest things: the artwork, production, uh, the gear <laughs> shifting in it, and then the um, the concept of spending and managing heat. Those are yeah. what, what stand out. Yeah. All right. So I've got a lot of positive things to say about this game. So first and foremost, uh, the value uh, is phenomenal for what you get. This is like either like a sixty. It's like a sixty dollar game. I think you can get somewhere like on Game Nerds or something like that. And for sixty bucks you get a lot of game like that is a lot that's that's included in this so i think like first of all that is phenomenal second of all i think it scales wonderfully i've played it solo uh i'm sure it plays well at two three four goes all the way up to six and i think at all of those player counts they play great because there is a an npc kind of like automa system 
that is extremely simple to run. Uh, and these bots that you play against are very difficult. Like they're they're hard to to, to win against. Uh, and so I appreciate like the challenge that they present. So I want to like also another positive is just the scalability of this game is wonderful. I think similar to like what you were saying about Airlines Europe, it is a simple game, but it has enough fun and tension and like grip to it to me that like I would enjoy playing it. Like it's not just like a, you know, sometimes we have these simple games that like we introduce to people just to like start introducing them to game mechanisms, but like we have no desire really to be playing the game. He is different. He like I want to play and I enjoy playing. So like I will also uh, give it that. Another positive for me uh, regarding heat, of course, is what Matthew mentioned, like the actual heat mechanism is fantastic. It is if you've ever approached a corner and you have no heat left to spend, you're in a pickle and you're like, great, well, I gotta, I have to play it safe or else I'm just going to spin out of control every time. And so now you're forced to play it safe throughout all of those corners. And so managing that system of spending the heat, getting it into your discard pile so that you can then shuffle it, hoping to get it back into your hand so that you can then cool down so that you can then, you know, be the player who's going above the speed limit on those corners, I think is is really, really good. Um, I, I love that aspect of, of heat. I also think it's a, a very thematic. I love the, like it feels like you are racing. This game feels like you are racing because the goal in this game is just moving forward as fast as you can. Move forward as fast as you can um, while, you know, without spinning out or damaging yourself, that sort of thing. And that like that's what you would be doing in an actual race game. If you were driving Formula One, like you'd be trying to go faster than everybody else and sometimes you might look at someone who's ahead of you and you're like look i gotta push my luck because if i don't i'm gonna be left behind and so you know sometimes you 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 gotta play to win you know what i mean you gotta play big and if you you play big and you you might win big and that's 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 the whole that's the whole idea i guess behind um these races and then the last thing i would say is um the variety in the maps i think that's i think that's really good um, the variety in the maps, the variety in the upgrades that you can do, the variety with the weather card. Like there's a lot that this game has to offer. Uh, and all of those things contribute to what I think is like a very full experience um, by the end. So those are some of my those are some of my positives. And uh, oh, and, and like you said, also the gear shifting. That's so much fun. Like the, just the little the tactile experience of taking your little you know, shift uh, your little gear shift and just like moving it up and down is is a lot of fun. I think that's that's fantastic. Um, it's you you have toys and you get to play with toys. You got little cars and stuff, so that's really nice. Uh, so those are some of my positives. Why don't we go ahead? We can now move into our cons, Matthew. I'm ready to debate you. Let's go. All right. Um, do you want me to lead, lead off with this part? Why don't you? Yeah, yeah. Why don't you lead off? Okay. Well, I want to preference this that by saying I don't I don't necessarily seek or or get a bunch of joy for finding negatives or not enjoying games. I want to enjoy games. It, like we talked about airlines, Europe had no expectations for it. Absolutely loved it. Thrilled by it. On the far end, we have a game like perseverance, which I'm hype was hype for spent a lot of money on had every re- bias to want to tell myself or lie to myself that I loved it. Had to be honest that I did not. Um, I think he, he pedal to the metal is a game that has a cool couple cool mechanics and overall boring game um, to me. Um, if we were going to make a list of cool mechanics in a boring, lackluster game, Heat would be at the top of my list. Um, and so where to start? Um, first off, I do not feel like this is, and I know it's going to be crazy. I'll try to explain it. But to me, this is just my <laughs> personal opinion. I do not feel like this is as much of a racing game as it is just a hand management optimization game. 
uh, and a couple, why do I say that? Um, I feel that there is never a lot of tension. Again, this is just my opinion. I want to hear you. I'm ready for you to tell me I'm crazy, but I just never felt like there was a lot of tension on the map. The only time there's ever any tension on the, on the track of my decision of where do I go? Cause like you said, your goal is just to literally go as fast as possible and don't burn out. And you almost ignore other things to that means. Um, and what I mean by that is there's there's not a lot of decisions of I'm not going this way or that way or someone's going to be in my way or block me. The only time you could ever be blocked is if you were going to end on a very specific spot and mm-hmm. there were two people there because two people can occupy each spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you would essentially go to the one spot behind them, which mm-hmm. not always not, isn't always necessarily bad kinks and you could do some slip streaming. And so your, your priority is just to literally go as fast as possible and the, you never really worry about, well, is someone going to be in that spot or am I going to get blocked off or am I going to get stuck behind someone else? You're just literally going as fast as possible and you're not making decisions while you're racing or what should I do now or what should I do later? You're all, your decision literally is in this moment, how can I go as fast as possible? And then in the next round, I'll see what it in my hand and then I will go as fast as possible. It's hard to really mm-hmm. plan out multiple turns or strategy and how I'm racing you because I'm literally just going as fast as possible with the cards I have in my hand. Uh, so that was one thing. And then uh, two, slipstreaming feels very, if it happens, great. If it doesn't, oh well, because I was just, because when I'm planning my speed, I'm very rarely did I try to base my entire plan on landing perfectly to slipstream, which is like right behind or beside somebody to take the advantage. If it happened, great. But sometimes you can't just, you can't control that because someone may move and then they're in the spot. Now you can slipstream or now you can't slipstream depending on your position in the turn order and so your priority almost you have to think well i always just have to imagine if i'm not going to slipstream what is the furthest i can go without burning out and then if i do get a slipstream for some bonus movement great right and so to me the slipstreaming almost felt inconsequential and as well as the bots the first couple of games i went know we played them wrong they were going way too fast but even then is the same concept. I'm not really worried about what the bots are ever doing. I'm never really worried about someone blocking me off. I'm worried about if I stress my car, am I going to get too high of a number and burn out? That's mm-hmm. what I'm concerned about. And it's almost felt. And then the thing is, we're just doing the same thing over and over and, and over, over and, and over, over again. and over again. Yeah. Why is the game three laps versus five? Or why is it one lap versus two? To me, the number of laps in the game feel inconsequential. It's just a matter of how long do we want to play the same game and, and then we'll just see who gets the better hand at the last 25%. Because all the games we played, everyone was still pretty close together until the last 25%. And then everyone just like literally hit all their cards, played all their stress cards to try to go out, which is a little fun at the end. But why don't we just make the game one lap less mm. if we're always right there close to that same grouping in the last 25% of the game? Because mm-hmm. the whole mm-hmm. time we're playing, it was like, man, this game would be ripe for some kind of progression system, right? I was thinking... And I was thinking of what this game would just take it to the next level of, 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 of how do I make decisions while I'm racing other than just got to go fast, baby, got to go fast, is if there was like a sponsorship mechanic in the game, which is if, if let's just say there's a module in the game to where there are these big, fancy millionaire sponsors. Because um, the thing is, we play with the same cards. We Yes, we get to draft cards at, this, at the beginning of the game, but it's not a deck builder. It's a deck management because you have the same cards. The cards mm-hmm. never change the entire game, which also lends into that. Well, I'm doing the same thing with the same cards over and over and over and over. It's just, can I keep doing it without failing? Is that there's like a sponsorship system 
to where if you completed or did certain moves or certain positioning or like it gave me, what if there was a bonus I could get if I purposely finished or did a lap and only went this fast or if I ended in this position or Mm -hmm. if I was the last one to finish the first lap of the race. And there's like these sponsors that if I completed this achievement while we were doing the game, I would acquire their card or special ability. And now it changes what I do going forward. And so instead of just playing fast all the time, maybe we could try to get these little achievement bonuses from these sponsors that are in these different maps. You could do like, um, like, you know, when you bet on games, like I bet on, you know, uh, I bet LeBron James to score specifically like, you know, 30 points this game or I in, during tip off, I expect, you know, I'm betting such and such, you know, this team to win the tip off or whatever. And so you could do something like maybe not, I don't know about sponsorships, but like maybe more thematically like betting and like, you know, the, the players know who like who's betting what ahead of time. And then based off of like, <laughs> if you hit those person's bets and you like, you know, you 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 help them with their bet then like maybe there's something that you get in game or something well like that. david so, how funny you should mention that because there are game there is a game that does just that downforce oh, is there? have you looked into downforce at all well we'll talk about that we'll, here in just we'll talk second. about that yeah. in a little bit so that was one thing is that we're doing the same thing over and over and that if, if we were you know making a list of what are the top five like things in a game you love it's progression but I feel yeah. like we're playing the same cards with the, the same mm-hmm. strategy over and over, mm-hmm. hoping mm-hmm. just to be optimized. And so mm-hmm. like for the first round or two, but once it you finish that second lap, it's like, what am I doing different? <laughs> I'm doing the same. I'm doing the same, trying to pull off the same. Because like when you draft certain cards at the beginning of the game, you're like, okay, this is how this could combo. And I'm just pulling the same combo off at the same time around the lap each time. Yeah. And it feels more of a game of how do I just not lose to myself more than how do I beat my opponents? Oh, well, let me ask. Let me ask That's you this. That's how I feel. Why? Let me ask you this. In a, like a normal, like in a real world race, like the Daytona, the Daytona five hundred. Why is why five hundred laps? Well, in, in a game like that, and I again, I'm not the biggest, but I live here near NASCAR, and I've gone a couple races. And again, why five hundred laps? Well, in, in that, it's a, it's it's really a team game. It's everything from your car performance. It's to your pit crew. Uh, to the speed of that is to the physical endurance. A part of it is physical endurance ah, of the driver. So a part of it is endurance. And well, so I think I, I don't want to. It's the mental. It's oh. the mental endurance of. Let's see how long we can make Matthew do the same thing Listen, over and over again before Jacob, he starts have, to crack. I mean, David, have you ever played a three to four hour game of Letters from Whitechapel? I promise <laughs> you, brother. Some things do not need to be endured forever. Um, but then, it, but in real racing, it's a lot about positioning. Do I get ahead of someone? Can I cut them off? Can they lead behind me? And so. I feel like I'm I'm making a lot of my focus is on how do I not fail myself more than how do I beat my opponent? Because if That's I can fair. go the longest without failing myself, I have a good odds of beating my opponent. But you could just draw a poor hand at the end. Like the the last game we played, I was in first or second, and I ended up fourth or f- in fourth place just because my last hand was just a dud. But and so to me, and and also what pushes down because the whole time I'm playing this game. Because I love racing in games, that whole tension of, can I get to here first? Can I get ahead of you? Can I optimize? Uh, the whole time we're playing these games, and I, we played several times, is I'd rather be playing Kanban EV if I wanted a car-themed game. Or I would rather play uh, Quest for Eldorado if I wanted a positioning game uh, racing. Or I would play Downforce if I wanted a progression, tension, bidding type game. Because the entire time I'm playing this, I'm wishing I was playing one of those other three games like I wouldn't, I just don't feel like I would ever pick this game um, because like I said, the, the whole managing your heat and 
do I play one card to four cards? And then how do I manage this kind of this negative currency in my deck? That's great. I think that is fantastic. I love it. But if I'm doing it, if I'm but if I'm doing it the same way for an hour or or more, hour, hour and a half, or however long the game goes, over and over and over again without a different reason to play it or a different way to play it, other than just go around these curves and go fast, go fast, go fast. I just started to feel monotonous and just just repetitive to me. And again, I know I'm probably in a minority with this, but the thing, if I, the thing is, I, I know these other games, and we'll go over those here, other comparisons. But the, I just don't feel tension in this game because yeah. um, I feel like yeah. I would. I the only reason I've failed or I didn't do well is because I something I did to myself. Now, obviously, you don't want this to be a take that type game, but I feel, just wish there was more decisions I would make on why. Because if if the whole reason is, man, I got, I want to go twelve. Well, I can get ten. Oh, it's not twelve. Okay, maybe next round I'll go twelve speed. You know, that's my that's my whole decision. Why does it matter if I'm playing against one other person or seven other people? Sure. Right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. And I think the interaction, I, I do agree that there's not much interaction in the game, which is why, like, you can make your decision so quick. Like, you know, like choosing your cards is simultaneously, revealing your cards is simultaneous. Uh, you know, there's not really a lot turn order wise um that that matters um but i will say like the game is a lot about risk management and so i would disagree with you like that you say you happen to draw into like a bat like sure but also you can hold cards from your hand over from one turn to the next yeah i do like and so and so what and so there's two things one when you're like in a series of like tight corner spaces for example you can look over to see like how much heat other players have so if i look over and i'm like okay i've got four heat that i can spend and i look over matthew's in first but he's got zero heat what that tells me is uh like he's got zero heat and his discard pile is like still kind of full um like he hasn't shuffled it in yet that tells me all right i can probably push myself in the next couple of turns because he's not going to be able to cool down just yet uh, and so you can look over at another player and see that and then try to take advantage of like when they have no heat. Yeah. But so the only thing with that though is, is they could have this card in their hand that lets them put heat right back into the deck and then use it that turn because they could, oh man, they're only going to play one or two cards, but, but they may play three or four. And the thing is you don't get to see their gear shifting because you all do it at the same time. And you're like, well, maybe they had a card in their hand because there are cards that let you then discard the heat and then can Yeah, then but that's just it. like, that's like one out of, that's like, and it again, it depends on what cards they drafted. Like now maybe it's very possible that a player during the draft only drafted cards that let them like cool down in addition to like what gear they're in, you know, first or second gear. Um, but I would also add like, that's probably one card out of their whole deck that they have that lets them put heat cards back into their, uh, back into their engine apart from like being in first or second gear. Um, so like, I think that's one thing. It's also risk management. You can hold on to certain cards, um, over the course of several turns. And like, that's what I, I typically will do is like, I'll try over the course of like those last few turns. I was like, all right, I have a four. I'm going to keep this in my hand. I got another four. I'm going to keep that one in my hand so that by the time I hit that last corner and it's like long stretch and I'm going to try to cross the finish line, uh, I'm going to make sure I'm going to try to make sure two things. One, I'm either in second or third gear. If I'm in second gear, I need to make sure that I have, have at least one heat, um and um or two or two heat and then third uh i want to make sure that i've got a few high cards because once i hit that corner what i want to do is i want to shift from second to fourth i want to play four high cards and i also want to be able to pay 
at least one heat so that I can get an extra boost. Because that's the thing, as part of your turn structure, you can always pay a heat to boost. So you can play four cards and then play a fifth one. Um, you know, and so at max, in theory, at max, you can be playing five cards um, in one turn. Yeah. Uh, maybe more depending on some other like bonus cards, but like a a player, all players have the ability to play up to five cards, and you can be managing that along the way a few turns before that that last hand. So, yeah. but again, my, but my point with that, which yes, you can, and but it, your decisions and strategies is you're going to want to do that regardless of what anyone else is doing or what position you're in. You're going to want to do that at the end or whatever that long stretch is. I guess that was my decision. It just felt part you know we always say as yet another multiplayer solitaire solitaire game. euro yeah, yeah and like yeah, yeah, i'm yeah. going to want to do that strategy regardless of what position i'm in because whether i'm in first and 10 spots ahead of you or if i'm in last place by 10 spots i'm going to want to still do that same thing yeah like, yeah it's but it but it's a but here's the thing so now i will say this after playing it on bj a lot and then playing it once in person i've only I played in person so i don't know if that makes I a big difference say, the thing about bga is it it automates two things for you it automates refilling your hand it automates or three things like when you spin out of control and it automates um the bots you know like the the yeah. legendary uh it does things. all that for you and so that does cut down on some time if the game so was maybe a brain, third of the time the amount of yeah the amount of repetition in the game can be a little exhausting and so if heat goes longer than an hour i'm, I'm really not interested in that in my mind heat should be a 30 40 minute game to 45 max which it's not in person especially if you play a four or five player game it's not yeah. it's over an yeah. hour yeah yeah so over an hour i think that that might be that might be the issue and i think part of that can be like running the bots and if like players are taking too long choosing what cards you're gonna play you know that sort of thing so like that i can see that definitely being um most people reporting that they play 30 to 60 minutes um so it, if and if so you know if the group is playing a little bit longer then maybe people are thinking a little yeah. bit too hard or what you know I, I i don't know but i do think that playing in bga you're like wow this yeah and game that, does that, go a and lot i'd faster. say a lot of my complaints at the game would i think be negated at a much shorter play time and again i'm not wanting to hate on this game it's just these are my honest how i'm feeling while i'm yeah. playing this game and we're hitting that 45 to 60 minute mark and we still got halfway through another lap to go through i'm like why is it this many laps and then i'm also like we could be playing quest for El Dorado, and <laughs> and <laughs> so i will well let me do this i'm gonna give my my couple negatives that i have about heat um one is like the disparity between how fast it is on bga versus it is uh like in, in real person which like you know the BJ automates a lot of things for you. So like that is not necessarily like a knock against the game, but I do. The game isn't with, fiddly. I, mean, I don't want to make it sound like that. And there's not like a ton of upkeep, but there is a lot of repetitive things that you have to do. In well, and, and that's the thing because you're doing the same thing over and over and over again, it, the, it, it makes it difficult to not just like want to jump into the straight, like the next turn right away. If it was a strategic game where like you were considering multiple things, yeah, you're then not. It, then that time your that that downtime exactly. isn't as bad because everybody's yes. thinking about certain. I things, think that hits not the nail on, to think about. Yeah, that hits the nail on the head because in someone else's turn, I'm not. I'm literally ignoring pretty much what they're doing, and I'm just like I'm shuffling my cards. I'm going ahead when essentially when I finish my turn, when it goes to someone else, I'm going ahead and, and we're almost already starting to try to prep for our next turn. Yes, and I'm not really yes. thinking. Because I don't, I don't really have any strategy until obviously I know if one or two cards I keep over, but what are the new cards I'm going to pull, right? Yeah, and yeah. yeah, I think yeah, I think that hits uh, honestly. I think that hits a big nail on the head because um, yeah. I do think so, the card system, but 
Um, for the, the, the amount of length, I would the thing that I was like, man, I wish there was progression to, to give me a reason for playing it this long because the game is is building up to a climatic. The end, the you end the game on the third or fourth lap the same way you end the game on the first lap. It just depends on who was in first that game. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, um, and I, and like and I think like it is exciting, like especially towards the end, like if you draw like a bad hand and like maybe you got like two turns left you're like all right i'm dumping all of these cards yeah. and hoping to draw like what i need so there's i mean there's a little bit at the end there's, of the day, like, there's a little bit of luck in and there is game. nice like you can get rid of cards if you don't want to keep them to the next round or you could keep cards i like i do like that and that's what i'm saying there's yeah. the 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 whole aspect of that card and the gear shifting i think is great yeah. um yeah, yeah, yeah my my other knock against this against the game is like you talked about vincent Dutre. i think he's a great artist I think his graphic design isn't the best, like like intuitiveness. I don't think. Yes. Oh my word! The like the, going the through top, all of those things, right? There, I don't. We think almost it ignore it, and we just we've just all we've we played it a couple times now. We just know it. But some of the the symbols for like when you use your heat or reset some different things and gear yeah. shifting and looking at when mm-hmm. you actually pay for the heat and don't, or even the the gear shifting when you pay for that heat, it does not. <laughs> I didn't know if he did the graphic design. I know he did the artwork. I don't know if he did because there's a huge difference between artwork and the user interface, which that's the yeah. graphic design. Um, well, whoever was in charge of the graphic very design. Very confusing. As well I, as the, I, the, 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 I know you don't do it on BGA, but in person, the cards for the uh, the automated, the, bots. the yeah, legendary yeah, yeah. drivers, it does not make any <laughs> sense at all. Uh, it's, well, at least it's not intuitive, especially it's for not. this trying to be a family game. The mm-hmm. um, it, mm-hmm. that could have been a lot clearer because I can imagine I, a lot I of people agree. having difficulty. Yeah, with that. yeah, yeah. I, I I agree. I agree. So, um, I think for me, I rank, I rate Heat right now. I think for me, it's an eight out of ten. I really like it. I think it's a. I think it's a really great game because it feels like a race game. It feels like <sighs> there's like it. Racing is the only thing that matters. It feels like a race game yeah and like in a race game you're not thinking like oh what upgrade cards does or like in a race like you're not thinking like what upgrades does that other vehicle have like what is you know you know what did he eat for lunch and like you know like you're not thinking about those yeah. you, all you're thinking is like i need to pass him that's all i need to do i just need to pass him <sighs> and so i think this game for better for worse feels like and i asked sam like what she thought after we played she's like it felt like i was in a car trying to like manage and like not spin out of control and just go as fast as I can. So that's yeah. what like I think the biggest compliment I can pay to Heat. So I would probably so I can't it's not a bad game, but it's not a game that like I said feels me with joy. I'd probably give this a six out of ten. Like it is is an okayish game, but to me I feel like I'm racing, but I'm racing myself. And that's not what I want out of a race game. I, I just never felt like I had, the only tension I was getting is from my own self pushing myself and my tension wasn't is what are my other opponents going to do if I give them time. Yeah. And again, I think, I think it's perfectly apt to do that is compare this other race game is David, the tension in the quest for El Dorado. <laughs> Literally the, in the entire time, because I think it's, it's apt to compare them because it's your, it's a race game. The first sure. one to the end wins. Um, you are doing it through cards, playing these cards and they affect your movement right a different different points in the map you need different things um but the big thing about quest for el dorado is that it's a deck builder you have the basic cards 
And so there's progression in what you're doing, right? Um, mm-hmm. You're still racing, but it's the racing is easier at the beginning because things are easier to traverse. The lands are easier to traverse. But as mm-hmm. you go, you have to be preparing and thinking about, okay, I know where we are right now on the map, but I'm look, I can look, literally look ahead to this map because there's no lapping in, in Quest Colorado. It's a, it's a straight path all the way. Well, it's not a straight path, but it is a singular path to the end over different terrain, different ter- um, types of terrain. Um, and they get progressively difficult. And how am I going to prepare for that? What route am I going to take? Is my preparation doing well for this route? Um, Should I take a round and just sit here and gain a special ability? Um, Where are my opponents going to be at? Are they going to get ahead? Because in Quest for Eldorado, not only are you trying to go forward, but you're you're feeling your opponents. Is my opponent staying back to gain a reward or to trash some cards? Maybe I could take a turn where I don't go up as far, but I get a little special ability when I search under those like cave excavation tiles for different things. Or do I then take an opportunity to just kind of jump forward and, and forgo some of those different things? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yes, there was the famous incident of where I, Brady and I were both going down this, the, a narrow pathway to only one person. Cause in, in, in quest, you cannot go through somebody without a special ability, which you can prepare for that in the game. Uh, uh-huh. but normally you have to go around them. And so Brady was right behind me and I got stuck and I literally didn't have the cards for a turn or two to keep going forward and got stuck. And now I'm not saying I want a race game to be all about blocking and purposely punishing your opponent intentionally but i like the tension to where i don't want to get stuck behind people because then that could delay me i am i willing to forego something to get ahead of them and then there's there's unique abilities and combos and the cards that you can get and even in some of the expansion there are those kind of fear cards that serve as kind of a heat type thing these are dead cards in my hand that i acquire for doing different things in the game um, and it literally in Quest for Eldorado, you literally feel like you're just reaching your hand across the finish line, just trying to get it just an inch ahead of someone else. And there's tension and decisions and progression throughout the entire game. And you literally feel like your every every turn is important and every turn needs to be better than the one before it in, in a quest, like game like Quest for Eldorado, which I don't get in, in heat. Um and I, like I said, I think it's a fair comparison because it, one, it is a race game. They are card management systems. Um, but the entire time I'm playing Heat, I'm like, man, I just know how much more joy something like Quest gives me. Um, just because you do have those decisions and you can respond and react to your opponent. Well, my opponent is getting this card ability. He's going more for water. Maybe I should go a different round and get something that helps me go over mountains or something else better. Um you know, those kind of decisions. Or if I pick up this card from the market, it's going to unlock something my opponent could get or my opponent unlocks something that I can get now um, in that game. Yeah. And Well, I think I think Quest is a good one to, to focus on because Quest is both uh, my favorite racing game and it is also possibly my favorite deck builder. And I think, like, if you put two games in front of me, Heat or uh, Heat Pedal to Metal or the Quest for Eldorado, I will pick Quest nine out of 10 times. Um, and the only one out of 10 is just to take a break from quest so that I can then prep to then play <laughs> quest again. again. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. It, so, and I, I didn't like, love it, quest it just, the first couple times I played it, but the more I played it, the more I've loved it. And I more, I want to play it. And there's, uh, because I have the new Vincent Detroit artwork with bigger cards, uh, updated art and some of their, they're re-releasing some of the expansions that integrates that art style and everything as well, as well as using yeah. a link for some of the new expansions that they're, 
Yeah, um, Robinsberger needs to get their act together and start putting out North American release for that game. Yeah. I don't understand what they're dragging their Silly. feet for because like every like that's an insta buy for so many people. Oh uh, yeah, people that is a core game in so many collections. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, no, I, I think I think Quest is great. Quest is really good at two. It's really good at four. I don't know about three. I heard it's not so great at three, but like at two or four, and like it plays fast. I think the I think the market. Um, like the most deck builders, it's like a static river market where like a new card, like someone buys a card, you get a card, you buy a card, you like refill it, uh, like you wouldn't do an Imperium or like in Dominion. In Quest, in Dominion it has a very unique market system where like players choose what cards become available in the so market. So good, so good. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think, but as far as like a race game, like a like Quest is not a pure race game in that like there are other things going on like other things that you can do and like john said very like hilariously like nothing says nothing says race game like sitting in the same spot for for several turns in a row so but the the thing is you don't want to do that right that's not advantageous and you you, the only reason that would happen is because you fail to prepare to some degree i would say obviously you can draw not a great hand which you can do in heat um but a lot of times, did I make the right decision on where did I go? Did I push my luck too far? Now I'm stuck a little bit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. But, but then another. Um, so that's that's obviously one thing that literally while I'm playing Heat, I'm all I can think about is Quest. But <laughs> have, have you played Downforce or are familiar with Downforce at all? Uh, yeah, I, I'm not. But from what I hear, that's that's not. It's more of a betting game, isn't it? Like it's more of a betting game than you are racing. Like so are you your are you the player racing? In you that game? the player are you have you you the player are, have a car and you're literally racing around a track that very similar to heat. Now you don't have the, the corner mechanisms or anything like that. Um, but you're, you're, you're bidding it's at the, at the end of the game, obviously you, whoever's the most money from, from bidding on the cars. Um, but you don't actually have to be the one who wins the race to win the game. Yeah. Although if you're bidding on yourself partially, that does help. And so you, but the thing is, I believe and it's been a while since I last played, but when you have cards, you're drafting or you're buying or bidding for cards at the very beginning of the game and how the cards work is that some of the cards will only have your car's color on it and how far you move. But some of the cars will have multiple colors and multiple cars can move those speeds when you play it. Um, And so you're playing cards that not only are going to be affecting yourself, but could affect other people to move forward as well with you on top of a bidding uh, mechanism mechanic that, you know, you, even if you're behind, you still feel like you can win the game or be involved in the game. So yes, it is not a, it's a different type of racing game, um, but it had some of those extra things tacked onto it that made you feel like you were engaged in what's going to happen next if someone plays a card that may benefit me uh, slightly. And I think it benefits too at a higher player count because I feel like these type of games, like I don't feel like Heat is meant to be a grindy Euro at a three player. Like that's not mm. what it's meant to. Like there, you can play this game up to five or six, can't you? Heat. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, I, one, one but in, in what world, if someone mentioned to me, "Hey, let's play Heat Pedal to the Metal at six players," we're gonna be there for an hour and a half minimum, <laughs> minimum if not more. I'm like, uh, I'm gonna go play Spider Man too. Like that just sounds like a miserable experience. But it, but a Heat kind of has has some of those kind of bidding uh, betting mechanisms like you would get in something like a Camel Up. But then you're drafting these cards and playing them that influence everyone and there's fun little different thematic maps that have stuff like if you time it right you can hit ramps or jumps or different stuff like that Uh, i'm not Mm -hmm. saying it's a perfect game but i remember my experience from it was a lot more joyful it felt like the family game that maybe i was going for um 
So if you haven't played, I would definitely say maybe checking that one out. It's it's not going to be as as sweaty min maxing my cards, but as far as a racing, everyone's together. We're all kind of like a Mario Kart type racing fun feel. Yeah. Like I never got that joy of a racing like I feel like a family party racing game used to give you that joy a Mario Kart would feel that even if you're not winning a part, you're still having fun because you're doing interesting things that are mm. interacting with other people. That's like a yeah. racing game should be. Even even a, there's old even some oldies like a Ave Caesar um, type old school racing games. Um, yeah. There's a lot of positioning things. Um, I yeah. don't know. It, it just it had a lot of promise. Um, it had some cool little mechanics, but I just feel like the game that the mechanics are in, it doesn't fill me with the desire or joy to play it more. Just because yeah. it is repetitive in the time. Now, if it was a 30-minute, 25, 30-minute game, snappy, snappy, um, that would probably change my opinion a lot. But I feel like yeah. this game is, they're, they're say, hey, family of five people, let's sit down and play this for two hours. I don't think anyone in reasonable mind or health or mental status is going to say, this is the racing game I enjoy. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's me and, and, and call me a hater if you want to, but I'm going to be honest about how I feel. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's just where I, it's leaving me. Yeah. I get it. I get it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I still really like it. Uh, I think it's a great game. Um, I would rather play quest for El Dorado, but this is, it is, yeah. or if I want a car themed game, Give me Kanban EV. Oh gosh, Matthew, those are two totally different things. Like, I know, but I'm saying I, you can't theme. jump from Heat to Kanban. Like you don't play, you don't play Heat because you want a car themed game. You play Heat because you want a, a race themed game. But I don't feel like I'm. That's but that's the that's the trick. I don't feel like I'm racing. I'm managing <laughs> oh, cars. My gosh. Again, this is my these are my hot takes, but um, oh, I'm okay goodness. being wrong. Um, well, this one this one might be. Well, you know, I I don't know. I, all I can say is that at, at at the very least, at least we have Quest for El Dorado. We can at least we have that. To, we can always we can yeah, always fall <laughs> when Heat has let us down and you know broken our hearts and rejected us after we took yeah. it out on a nice little date. What, we always have Quest that we yeah. Can one thing Brady and I did, we separated all those upgrade cards into like wheels and engines and all these different things, and we're like, what if we customized our entire deck of like we all drafted a piece of the different car, and so we actually like physically built a car from all the different upgrade pieces, uh-huh. um, like the spoiler and these uh, brake systems. And we all picked one of each of those systems and maybe that'd be a little bit too crazy or nuts or anything. But honestly, it, and, and maybe this would be a right for expansion. I'll call Days of Wonder and tell them. But I think a a sponsorship module in the game that if you did certain achievements that may not be intuitive to winning, like certain decisions you can make that wouldn't necessarily put you in first place, but could get you a sponsorship, a special card, or special I, ability. I think that already exists actually in the game. I'm actually pretty. I'm pretty sure there's a sponsorship I, module. But I looked at game. it and it wasn't quite like that though. Oh, okay. It, I got you. Yeah, I they may you. called it that, but when I was looking at it, unless I missed yeah. it, and there was something else, but I was looking through the rules because James said, "Hey, yeah, I think there's something like that." I was like, "I'm a genius." Yeah. But then when I looked at it, um, it wasn't it wasn't quite the same as what I'm thinking about. It, it wasn't something that gave you more progress. I guess that's a reason, a reason to do something different to position myself later in the game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's, here's what's cool. And like, it wouldn't make sense. It wouldn't make thematically. This wouldn't make sense to do. What's cool about Mario is like whoever's in last, whenever they hit the item cube, they always get like really beefy, juicy items versus whoever's in first, like only ever gets like a banana peel. It would be fun to see something like that in heat. It wouldn't make sense thematically at all. um, But it would be fun to see some kind of like, you know, 
at just something funny like that. And but it would only work if the game was like a twenty to thirty minute game. Which yeah, I don't again, know if, were, it, if it is or not. At a, so. Even at a four to five player game, you're an hour minimum, probably. Yeah. Yeah, and interesting, interesting things. Well, I, that's going to round out our discussion for yeah. uh Heat, Let us know what little, your thoughts on Heat are. Um, I know a lot of people like it. It's been sold out. Um, more power to you. I know the Dice Tower, I think, gave it really great reviews. Um, hey, look, Arc Nova, same way. You know, lots of hype sold out. <laughs> came stock. But man, really of, fan, of all so. the games that could be in the top 100 of all time, you know what game is in the top 100? Imperial What's in the that? Contention. Imperium the Contention, yeah. And what's a shame to think is that at one point it was retailing for like 35 bucks. Yeah. How much did you pay for it, Matthew? I paid $100 for it. <laughs> including shipping, including shipping. Um, but um, it literally, it was the only place in the entire world I could find a copy. Hey, I, I hear you, man. I traded a playmat for it. I think it's a great game. I think more people should play it. And I think uh, maybe, maybe at PAX we could try uh, doing like a little 2v2 or a little 3v3 game because um, yeah. I hear that the team mode is also very good so yeah. um, do you yeah. have any uh, do you have any new like new games or any kickstarters on the horizon or anything like that yeah I've got one coming not too long from now is a trick shot it's like a hockey game um, okay. and that that looks like a lot of fun it's like a lightweight game but like simulates hockey I think very well I don't know if you're into hockey or not I, I like hockey movies, but I don't ever watch hockey. <laughs> well, I'm I'm near the uh, the Carolina Hurricanes, and a lot of people here are super into hockey, and so I'm yeah. looking forward to to getting that. And then the only other game that I have my mind on right now that's on Kickstarter is the Old King's Crown. Have you looked at that one? Yes, yes, that it looks it looks it looks very good. It's, it's yeah. on my save list. I think there's a couple days left for mm-hmm. the for the campaign yeah. for it. Art is beautiful. What I hear is like it's like a lane. It's an asymmetric lane battler, and lane yes. battler meaning games like Battle Line and games like uh, Lost Cities, which uh, games like Rift Force. Those are those are two of my favorite games of all time. So I've looked at Rift asymmetric lane battler where like you're playing mind games, but like it's got a beautiful world and beautiful artwork. Yeah, I, I, this one is. So is, I, I've is looked at right Rift buttons. Force. But, so you've played it. You like it. I've no, no, I, I haven't, I haven't played it at all. But like people that I've talked to, they've played this, like really enjoyed it. Um, the development looks really good. It looks like, I mean, uh, and and I will also add, this is this one's for Brady. Uh, Cole Worley has also been assisting with the development. So <laughs> like has. already, if his name's anywhere near that game, you know, I got to be in on it. So yeah, uh, I recently backed Ezra and Nehemiah, the new okay. uh, Garfield yes. games. Yeah. Uh, Shim Phillips, Sam or Shim Phillips. Like yeah, with yeah, it, yeah. that looks really good. It has got a lot of previews. I think uh, the Fox Experiment should be coming in soon. Oh, uh, I'm excited to play that one. Yeah, it looks, like it looks to, really like interesting. Yep, and then uh, all my Tainted Grail stuff should be coming in in December, <laughs> expectedly, for a little fun. Uh, uh, well, I hear it's a really good solo, Matthew. Well, that, so. that, that you know, I, I probably will end up be playing it solo or, or play two characters at once, which I'm okay with. Uh, and, then, um, and then ISS Vanguard should be uh, coming in in the next month or two. Nice. Hopefully. Very yep. nice. Yep. Very and, nice. Uh, yeah, lots of lots of stuff. Lots enough. Um, not enough time. Uh, that's why we don't know, have time games, for mediocre time. games. Get heat out of here. We have time for great games. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's we the only thing have is like time for for great games. Do you think Heat Pedal to the Metal is worthy of? Again, we don't have time for just okay games. Um, do you think it's worthy of holding holding onto a physical copy and having in the rotation? I. I yeah, so, you know, I, I've thought about that, like, because I just played a game in real life with a with another couple, and um, my friend uh, Jeremy, he plays games with me all the time, but his wife doesn't really play that many games, and she wasn't really granted. Like, we were all tired that evening, and and 
I think like the repetition and she wasn't quite understanding the game. And so I, I thought like from that experience, I'm like, I don't know, but like Sam really liked it. I think like as a family weight game, cause it is a pretty light game once you get going. Um, I, I think it is worth holding on to. Uh, but I wonder if maybe something like airlines, I mean, again, completely different type of game, but like maybe it's, seeking out airlines Europe, it's would that be family a better, though. you know, yeah. like, is that what I, what, what kind of family experience do I want at my table? I think Airlines Europe would definitely be one to look at. Obviously, they're yeah. different games, but they fill that same niche, could play up to five. It scales very well, at least at a higher four or five player count. Probably not a two or three player game as much, but a four or five player game where a family yeah. is something a little bit more than a ticket to ride weight game. Yeah, because um, yeah, I think yeah. Heat Pedal to Metal has got some mechanics and the iconography are not intuitive yeah. with it. Yeah, that's um, the thing. She was really lost. Like she was like, "What? What am I looking at?" That that I don't understand. What yeah, I'm looking and at. some and of those. Like, yeah, and I agree. Like it is, is a little, it was a little confusing. But uh, and I, I'll I'll end with this at the at the virtual flea market. I think I'm going to be picking up a copy of Oath. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be picking up a copy of Oath. So I'm really looking forward to that. Since you never answer me whenever I ask about uh, buying your copy, you say nothing. I, yeah, the thing is, like, I enjoy just owning it next to my other. Oh my gosh. I don't know. I'll I'll give you my copy, David. I'll sell you oh, my right. copy. The thing is, it's I, not gonna. You know, nobody there wants to play. Well, it, I, even I've come around more. It's like I want to love Oath, but it just it just it almost leans more into the zaniness for zany's sake. I think some of the big things that stand out are like the economy system. Like if mm-hmm. you if you over interact with a certain economy, it gets depleted with its resources. The money does with those suits of cards, and then you have to mm-hmm. change them around. But it just it just doesn't feel. I don't. It's not that I need a simple game, but it just doesn't feel clean or intuitive enough to where everyone is on the same page and skill level. Like the amount yeah. of, that you would have to play with the same group is is I think even higher than a root. I think it'd be easier to put someone into a new game of Root and them to at least play it and understand what's going on to a certain sure. degree more than Oath. Because Oath is like these multiple levels of abstract concept of why you're doing what and when. And oh, maybe you're positioning something for in the next game. Yeah, um, That's why I'm really excited for ARCs. Because ARCs, I feel like, is taking that same ambition but intentionally condensing it down to being like one mega game or a game that you could only you'd play over two or three parts and then it is it is defined it's like it is mm-hmm. a it mm-hmm. is a mm-hmm. it is a semi-epic game and now of course i haven't read all the rules and we haven't played it yet but that is that is the feeling i'm getting from it. it's like cole wants that epic feeling but once because the thing in oath it's a never-ending thing it's like we want to at least know there's an end point to it. we could play a big like three-hour game of arcs if we wanted to in one setting or we could play a couple hour and a half break it over two games but um does that make sense yeah i mean yeah. in theory oath is never ending but at the same time you could just say like we're gonna play an eight an eight game campaign of oath and see what happens over the course of eight games and then just reset uh so yeah. you could in theory the players, uh, do that but yeah. um, i'll send you a happen. link to the um he did a recent interview um talking about oath and like hinting at some expansion stuff and like some things that he wants to address in an expansion for oath uh that i think the the main issue is that it's a game that always carries on um and it has there's one thing that is both it's probably greatest aspect but also it's greatest pitfall yes because you so don't normally feel in like a game king making is horrible but in a game of oath king making almost can be a good thing because 
you are king making to put yourself in a better position for the next game. But the, the, but I think then, the, the downfall. But then what that does is you're never thinking about this game. Yes. You're always yes. thinking about the next game. And, and so you, it's almost like this game doesn't matter. It's the next yes, game. That yes. Matters. I think looking back, I think that's definitely what we feel because you didn't feel the importance or significance of the actions I'm making now. There's just, oh, well, when you play the next game, you'll be in a different position or you'll be a, a denizen or the, the yeah. chancellor. But it never yeah. gave weight to why am I preventing someone from winning now versus yes. next turn? Yes. Um, yeah. And, and so that's what he's going to be addressing is like almost because he's like his idea was like, well, people will be jumping in and out of games of Oath and that'll be OK. And he's like, what he noticed is that, no, it's like the same groups that are playing over and over again together. And he's like, I want to do something to where it's like, a family dynasty like try to impose some sort of meaning into like family dynasty so that you care about what happens from game to game and like makes yeah. it a little bit more competitive i think so. it, yeah because it almost felt a little bit too open rpg like it's not an rpg but in the sense that well what i'm doing right now isn't necessarily that significant because something yeah. later on may happen that i don't know about yet it's like that was it was alluding to something may happen next game or the world state may be a little different but it just never gave any importance to the decisions I'm making now. Yeah, the game is more the game is more about the story than it is necessarily about not, winning. And for some people, that's a good thing. For some yeah, people, yeah, but there's not, not really like a don't, story don't in want it that, though. So. There's like different unique artwork and little little people, but there, there's no inherent story yeah. outside of what like the the players are like again role playing or creating or writing in their journal mm-hmm. with the game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Whereas a root, it's very clear, it's very defined. Why are we here? What are we doing? And we still get a little bit this asymmetric, and we're interacting with all these things, but we have a, a reason why. And yeah. even though it's a it's a higher difficulty level game, once you understand it, it's very clear, yeah. very direct. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we can go Matthew, on forever yeah. about these. That's things. it. We can go on forever, but uh, <laughs> I think we gotta we gotta cut it. To yeah, we gotta save here, some so. content for later. Um, yeah, but we're PAX is in two weeks from now. I know we got a Thanksgiving coming up here. I'm looking forward to getting some games in with the family. Um, nice. Everything. All righty. Well, that's going to be it for this week's episode. As always, I'm Matthew. And I'm David. And this has been The, the Discussion Phase. <laughs> Almost there. <laughs> Almost there. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the discussion phase. If you enjoyed our content and like to hear more, make sure to tune back for new episodes. You can also follow us on Instagram and our Discord link below and let us know your thoughts on all these topics. Thanks, everybody.